facts. I was trying to look at it rationally. And if, if there were, if there, if, if he had gotten lost at Log Water, there would have been some evidence of him found. On April 11, 2009, Ron Sheepstra vanished while on a fly fishing trip near Ishkalak, Mexico. No trace of him has ever been found. This is the story about his disappearance. My name is Will Rice, and you're listening to Down the Path. This is Episode 5. I learned a long time ago in journalism school that a story has different elements. A story has a beginning, middle, and an end, as well as a setting, characters, actions, rhythm, arc, and conflict. A good story also has a resolution, and it's that resolution that gives readers, or in this case listeners, a sense of satisfaction. I want to let listeners know early on that this is not that type of story. This story, Ron Sheepshire's story, does not end well, and it's not resolved. My own personal feeling is is that it was intentional, to be completely honest. And I hate to say that because I communicated with Cindy after it happened. She read a post I made on a fly fishing board here in Georgia and contacted me and uh, remembered me once we exchanged some emails. And I was, you know, I, I was real diplomatic about it, but things the behavior did not add up with his friends. For one thing, you don't leave he, 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 the buddy system. I mean, you don't leave a friend, especially one that's not in good shape. You just don't split up in a place like that. And, you know, I thought initially that I really thought that he had a heart attack or something and he fell over in some tall grass. You know, it would take a while to find it because, like I said, you have to be right on top of something to see it. And after a couple of days, there were no vultures seen in the area that quickly kind of got ruled out in my mind. And then the thing that clinched it for me was Bernard's behavior during that whole morning, hour after hour. This was not a man that was concerned about an old fishing buddy or a close friend that he, you know, that he thought disappeared in Mexico. It, 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 just, it just didn't add up. And when I got on that train of thought, I thought, well, what if, what if I wanted to disappear? Log Water would be a perfect place. There's, uh, there's a little landing there, some boat ramps, just a little landing. It's at the very end of the road. And it would be not that difficult to coordinate a boat from San Pedro Belize to come through the backwater there, meet you there, pick you up, and go, and you never see another person. Or another person would not see you, is what I should say. So it, it, then I really it just started, I really started thinking something's not right here, something's fishy. And, and did you have, were you kind of on that train of thought, call it that first week after? Was that, was that you know, was that something that came to you kind of pretty immediately or was it weeks down the road or months down the road? No, it, it, it was probably about uh, four days after the initial disappearance. 
some evidence of him found. folks take a deep breath relax for a moment you are with taylor trash fly fishing episode 29 we're here in oak hill florida gathered around that old oak table with carl ben guest kevin reynolds and myself up here at the board and we've been lucky enough to have will rice send us the intro to episode five for down the path and like many of you guys We've been glued to our iTunes or whatever you use to get your podcast, waiting for that next episode to come out. And we understand that mid-next week, episode five is coming out. And like many of you, episodes one through four has done nothing but make us all speculate, come up with questions. And we're lucky enough tonight to have Will Rice on the phone with us so we can talk about the first four episodes. Good evening, Will. Hey, what's happening, guys? Thanks so much. Uh, thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, man. We're Absolutely. so happy that uh, you're willing to come on with us and give us a little bit of time to perform the Inquisition that we have planned for you and uh, talk about episodes one through four and see if we can squeeze something out of you about episode five. <laughs> no, that sounds uh, that sounds great. So, um we were uh, sitting around earlier. We had uh, some pulled pork off the Traeger and uh, been drinking a couple of beers, trying to get right for the podcast and uh, knowing that we were going to talk to you. We've been uh, discussing different scenarios that some of us believe may or may not be at play in the uh, Ron Sheepstra story. And personally, and I think Ben and I are in the same camp, we are of the idea from what we've heard thus far that things don't quite add up to allow us to exclude bad people. Kevin, you don't agree with that, do you? No, I mean, I agree it's a possibility, but I also think there's a good chance maybe it was self-engineered. And, you know, there's still a lot of loose ends out there I think, Will, um, your, your episode that's coming up, uh, getting the perspective um, from the gentleman from Georgia, is, is I, I was excited listening to the intro until then he switched gears and kind of went Kevin's direction too. And, 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 you know, he wasn't definitive in his thought. He, he kind of has more of a broad perspective as well. Um, can we expect um, any greater detail through the balance of episode five? You know, I, I think a, a lot of a lot of what I've dealt with writing, you know, writing the podcast and writing, you know, creating the project is, you know, there are a lot of loose ends. There are a lot of open questions that um, that don't really have a good resolution. Uh, I think what you'll hear in episode five is, you know, not only more detail about the the fourth scenario that we that we've outlined, but I also um, I'm going to spend a little time going back and looking what was going on um, in Mexico at the time. So, you know, call it 2008 to 2012, not only what was going on 
um, in Mexico across the board because Mexico is a big place, but specifically in the area that Ron was fishing. Um, so I do, I do think that's a, you know, kind of an important historical component to, to kind of get more of a robust context around Mm -hmm. the possibilities, I suppose. Yeah, yep, absolutely. And so I take a look at, you know, you know, some of the documentation that was being published by the, by the government of the United States, um, as they do in, in regular intervals, as well as, you know, how that information was being, um, analyzed and, and what the some me- major uh, major media outlets were saying about travel to Mexico at that time. So, so I do spend a little bit of time there, and then we're going to spend some time, you know, looking at that fourth scenario. And you know, again, I I, I am really clear uh, in in the show that hey, you know, I I do not have any information or any evidence that would point to, um, you know, that self-engineered disappearance. But it is something that, you know, it was very, very early on. It was a topic um, of, of investigation for not only the Mexican law enforcement, but it was a line of questioning that the U.S. consulate had. So, you know, I thought it was worth, um, you know, getting a couple different opinions on that and, and looking at some of the uh, some of the components of, of what people keep coming back to me, both on the record and off the record why they might think that that is a plausible, uh, a plausible scenario. I, I gotcha. You know, I'm really interested and in, in quite honestly feel pretty unfulfilled thus far. And that's not a criticism. It's just giving you the, the feedback of wishing and wanting for more when it comes to what the Mexican authorities did insofar as their investigation. Um, Were there written statements taken from his companions that were on the trip with him? Um, If so, have, have, have they try, have you tried to source them and get them so that they can be looked at and, and kind of bring that context to it? You know, I spent a little time in the cop shop and, uh, being able to read someone's written statement about an event, um, there, there's a lot of minutia that you can pull from the level of detail that they go in, uh, how they abandon detail around certain events, and then go back to a level of detail that's consistent with the rest of their statement. So, you know, I do recall that, you know, they didn't seem to be I wouldn't say non-cooperative, but they seem to be disengaged with the uh, investigation, and that was odd to me. I also kind of gathered that it was probably really hard to get that. I mean, who do you have to be to be able to just to request that? Yeah, well, it's not I, the that's, state. Yeah, it's I not, don't know. I mean, do you yeah, have to be? And that's yeah. the thing. So, you know, that's why I'm asking. Will is do you, do you yeah, know if yeah. it's available, or are they like, oh, I'm sorry that our policy is not to, you know, it's an active investigation. We can't release that. Yeah, that's a really it's a really great topic. And um, I'll, I'll kind of just give you my rundown from it. So, you know, and I don't want to give too much away about how this all wraps up. But I will say that I am not the first person to uh, investigate Ron's disappearance. OK, um, so it was investigated by uh, the Netherlands uh, consulate. So they had an investigator uh, who did active work. Mm. Um, there was also Mm. another private investigation that happened. Um, I did find out that, you know, during Cindy Sheepstra's, 
um, effort to um, to have Ron declared dead um, or deceased, um, she being you know Ron's wife um, had an incredibly hard time getting any um, information from the Mexican uh, government. Um, and so she needed paperwork from them to help process that um, that declaration right. and was unable to get that. Um, there was a private investigator who was down um, in 2010. He was not given um, any of that documentation. I would say that, you know, as it's been explained to me by multiple people, you know, you can't really, I don't think of, you know, think of the, the Mahawal police um, apparatus as you would say uh, a normal police station, say in the U S that kind of thing. I, I think it's kind of apples to orange. Oh, I'm sure. Oranges. I'm sure. And um, you know, one of, one of my ideas was to, you know, to travel down there um, and to dig around. I, you know, I didn't have the time or the resources to do that. Um, I still like to, I, I, I have a feeling that, you know, a trip down there specifically to try to get that information would probably um, not bear a lot of fruit. And again, that's based on multiple conversations I've had with people on this topic. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I hear you. I would love to be able to see some of that stuff. I do know that um, I, I know that Cindy Sheepster was was interviewed. I believe Rod's friends were all interviewed. Um, I believe Kim Calkins and her husband were interviewed. Um, but just, you know, is that documentation somewhere right now? I, I, I have a hard time believing that I'd get my hands on it. Right. Now, since um, a few of the episodes, I think we were like probably between two and three. Yeah. Um, we heard from a friend of the show, uh, Jeremy Clark. Uh, Jeremy lives up in Charleston, and he wasn't aware of Ron's story at the time, but he actually was down in Ichkalak and ran into some of Ron's friends or at least one of Ron's friends and actually had dinner with him down there. And I just find it fascinating that such a bad chapter occurs in your life. And it would be a place where it would be a rotten memory and a, kind of a hole and you're still comfortable going there. That you was go bizarre back just to, to me. Fish. Yeah. Just to hang yeah. out, have vacation. Yeah. Weird. We were talking about it earlier tonight. Like, you know, <clears throat> if the group of us went somewhere, I would hope that our behavior, if one of us didn't show back up to the lodge in the evening, that it wouldn't be, hey, let's go to happy hour and eat dinner, that, you know, that there would have been a lot different response to, you know, Ben or Larry or Carl or Kevin not showing up, it would be more of an alarm setting. And I certainly don't think we'd be planning another trip down there in uh, the wake of that event. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll just say this. I, we're going to spend, uh, we're going to spend some time in episode six talking about what happened in the years after okay. uh, the disappearance. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm I, happy about I, that. I will, I will leave it at that. Mm -hmm. okay. okay. Like almost kind of when the trail goes, Cold, I guess, and and what happens between then and and now is is episode six. You're saying, yeah, yeah. Well, you'll you, we'll we'll get into it a little bit in episode five, and mm -hmm. uh, and we'll get way into it in episode six. So That's great, Will. For my personal jollies, I've been <laughs> trying to figure. <laughs> oh, don't you laugh at me? You can laugh. Um, what was Ron's occupation? What did he do? 
Ron, as best as I can tell, was uh, something akin to a mechanical engineer. Okay. So I, I believe he, uh, he worked on um, fairly complex, uh, large, uh, I don't know if it was like, uh, uh, like filtering systems. I don't know the exact okay. nature of it, but uh, it was fairly large industrial equipment. And from what I can tell, it was a very specialized type of um, skills and, you know, mechanical engineering okay. background that you might have for, uh, to, to do that type of work. Okay. Works for me. Mm-hmm. See, I thought on the last podcast, it was mentioned that he actually was in the finance industry and the, transferred long. long and long I was thinking money. that too, for mm-hmm. some reason. And then now well, I don't yeah. know where I got there. Yeah, no, that was, that was actually one of, uh, one of Ron's friends. That was the okay. an episode, okay. uh, I believe one, that was one of his friends who was a, uh, a network administrator, um, for a company that, um, was in the financial, uh, financial services business. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I I gathered the same thing somehow. Okay. Was, well, I'm I'm yeah. glad yeah. I'm not the only one that got there. Yeah. I think it's I think it's interesting hearing everybody's different perspective. Mm-hmm. You know what you key in on and, and focus on. And I guess it's kind of one of the downfalls of human nature is mm-hmm. we allow ourselves to be led down a path that maybe we think some you know we we predetermine what we think the outcome should be. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, well, because I'm I'm just sitting here trying to figure out why the Germans wanted to start World War III and kill him. Right. So yeah, and that's totally just my speculation. By the way, <laughs> I totally get that we have no evidence, no, and not to slander anybody, but it's just like you're trying to figure out what happened. Where this guy go? Why are these people so like nonchalant about it and don't give a care? And so one of the things that stuck out is either a he wandered off and they knew about it, or they had something to do with his disappearance. And so you start like nitpicking and pulling strands of every rogue thought that comes into your head. And I, I, my best thought up to the moment was, well, maybe he was dealing in money and he somehow like accidentally lost him a bunch of money. And that's what got him to turn on him. And like, well, if this guy is just going to lose us money and not pay us back, you know, what, whatever we can, we'll just get rid of him and but sucks to suck. But this is your all fact set was wrong. Yeah, mm-hmm. total, yeah totally yeah. wrong. Yeah. Um, Ron was I have to go. Yeah. Now I have to guy. go pull on different strings. So anyone who just listened to that, don't get all excited and think, Oh, maybe this is it. Cause it's not. Um, and I'm going back to string pulling and trying to figure this out. I think you would turn your direction though, based on if this guy was some kind of international drug dealer or something, right. it'd be a lot easier to kind of figure out what's going on. Sure. You know what I mean? If he's just like a dentist, <laughs> leaves you with nothing right well will we appreciate you taking the time to to sit with us for a few minutes uh from a thousand eighteen hundred miles away and uh give us a little insight and what to expect on episode five and and honestly giving us a little preview of episode six um is is six going to be the wrap Right now, yeah, that is the plan. You know, the plan uh, from the start was to to uh, try to pack it all into uh, into six episodes. And you know, I mean, like I've done for the past ten years, I'll probably continue to, you know, see what happens. Um, I do want to, you know, a big a big shout out to you know uh, all the uh, the Taylor Trash listeners and and everyone who's who sent me uh, you know messages. It, you know, it, it's uh, it's been really great to see the interest and. Um, I've had some folks reach out and I've, I've found, you know, I've gotten some interesting information. I'm still waiting for that, you know, 
hopefully that that email or that call with somebody who you know knows something that really kind of helps move this story forward mm-hmm. and um that you know, would be I'll, so I'll, amazing and then boom happens. episode mm-hmm. seven yeah so yeah quick question kind of going off the path there was a situation here recently um any thoughts any have you, did you see that see any parallels or anything in in which situation Carl Carl kind of showed up late. I didn't brief him. Um, he he was wanting to talk a little bit about Belize, but we're we're we, not talking about we're that. Flag on this. the planet. Yeah, yeah. We're, yeah. So skip question. Don't reverse edit. You never heard <laughs> no, this. Okay. Goodbye. No, it's a, it's okay. Yeah, I mean something something big happened in Belize, but you know that's one that's uh, you know it's an active investigation that's still happening. There's um, you know local journalists down there working on that story. It's you know it's pretty it's, well it's documented online. You yeah, can yeah. you can get up to speed pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but no, I, I don't see any uh, I don't see any parallels. You mm-hmm. know, like true parallels to this at all. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's yeah. There's there's some stuff happening. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, uh, Will, we uh, appreciate it. And uh, I'm looking forward to possibly bending an elbow with you in October when I come out for IFTD. And uh, until then, we'll keep tuning in. And I'm thinking, what, Wednesday we're going to be able to hear all of Episode 5? That's right. Yeah, we're hoping uh, Wednesday uh, we'll uh, we'll, uh, drop Episode 5. And then two weeks from then, it'll be episode six and any listeners have questions or like i mentioned if uh, if you do have information or there's folks out there with information they want to share i'm i'm always uh, all ears to uh, to hearing that hearing about that and how do they get a hold of you uh best thing to do there's a contact button if you go to uh down the path podcast.com um if you go to the right hand corner there's a contact button and you can just drop an email there and uh i'm happy to talk either on the record or off the record that's that's absolutely okay as well and um yeah and thanks uh, thanks again guys it's great really really appreciate the interest and uh helping to uh to get the word out awesome we'll talk to you soon thanks will thanks will thanks well dude i'm pretty stoked that uh it's coming to like the conclusion. Yeah. Um, you know, like, like, like he says in the, the intro to episode five, the unfortunate part is it's a story with no conclusion. Yeah. Um, so we're going to, we, we do know that, you know, it's going to end with, it's still a mystery, but, uh, and it's, it's funny. Cause if you knew a TV show was going to, you were going to get invested in it. Right. And there was going to be, you just probably wouldn't watch the show. Right. And here it's like, I know, I've known since like day one, I'm going to have no gratification from this. We're still going to be thinking possibly years down the road unless the right person hears it. Like, well, you're going to get gratification. I I have a tiny, I have a tiny different perspective. Okay. I've already gotten a certain level of gratification. Oh, for sure. from From the fact that knowing going into it that, the purpose behind Will doing the project is number one to to tell the story of Ron Sheepstra, so that more people are aware of it, and out of that awareness, potentially leads would come in. Yeah. Albeit ten years later, mm-hmm. and Jeremy, hey, right. I had dinner with yeah. this dude. Yeah. Um, when we when we go to break, I'll tell you there's some other information that has surfaced that he's waiting to confirm. So okay. that's the gratification level that I see out of it is it is stirring. You know, what, there's rocks being turned. The results over. are right. starting to come in yeah. from yeah. the yeah. effort. Yeah. The, 
what I meant to say is you don't get the satisfaction like when this is over in six episodes, I know what happened to this dude. Right. right. And no, here we go. Definitive. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so you're just but yeah. knowing that in advance, I think makes it not a bummer at the end. You're still like, okay, cool. And your mind's still gonna You know what's crazy? And I I, I didn't even think to ask about it. Like when an American is killed overseas or disappears, mm-hmm. and we're not presuming that Ron was killed, though I am. Um <laughs> You know, does the does the FBI take over jurisdiction? Like, did they go down and, and, yeah, and at least the, do something about it? Well, yeah. I, you know, in Mexico for sure. Yeah. You know, the the police down there looked into it, but like, I don't know. Just yeah. out of curiosity, like what station, what captain, what arm, what branch? Yeah, you know, yeah, like, where like you're in who, Europe or whatever. Yeah, yeah, who 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 goes and checks like to make I sure can, that yeah. the local police did a good job where you were? I can maybe find out about met that. your demise. Yeah. I'd be interested Traveling. to know. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that uh, we should probably take a quick break. And when we come back from that break, we'll actually get into episode 29 mm-hmm. proper. Sounds good. So uh, we'll see you guys shortly to kick it off. Get after it. Episode 29, Taylor Trash Fly Fishing. Here we go. Man, it is one week exactly since we had the inaugural Dingy Dingy Derby Derby. and Poker Run. Man, that was a fucking good time. Unbelievable. Most fun I've had on a skiff this year. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Now... The behind the scenes of the lead up to the Dingy Derby, we had every intention that we were going to have a podcast recorded the Friday night before. <laughs> and man, did that fucking go sideways because you guys were insanely I was busy. Say two of us decided to try to build a boat that wasn't supposed to be ready before the Derby. Mm hmm. Uh, yeah, it was like 11.45, I think, or something, or 11.30. Well, out. so, well, here here's the other funny part, too. Like, I knew I was going to, because I didn't have access to another tow vehicle, I had to bring my brother's boat up for him to use. So I was like, I worked it out with Larry, and I know, like, Larry stays up late, but I didn't want to be that jerk that rolled in the Taylor Park at midnight. Well, So guess. you got here at 12.30? Yeah, I was gonna say, guess what? It's got to be. It was eleven thirty. I was ready like, to pull out, and Jameson, you're gonna kill me because I know you listen to this. I was ready to pull out of the shop at ten. I was like, I'll at least get there by eleven. 
and something was up with his hitch. And I was like, I kept kind of like hitting. I was like, hey, do you want to like move so I can get this boat to Larry's? Uh, He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm almost done. Give me a second. And almost done turned into like an hour and 15. Um, and I got out of there. I called Larry. I was like, I'm on my way. And I could tell. He's like, great. <laughs> <laughs> but you were super cool with it. Um, we're not going to talk about the rest of it, but we launched <laughs> and tied <laughs> off to the dock. It was great. Uh, you could throw me under the bus if you want. But no, you no, I okay. won't. I won't. Cool. I, I will simply say that the launch of your skiff took um, longer than would than it would take for me to launch my skiff, and due to the length of time that it took to get your skiff in the water and tied off to the dock, I'm conservatively saying I sustained about 450 mosquito bites. That's and that that was my only. That's fair. That was my only. And then the worst part complaint. And that's that's warranted. And then I somehow put a wrench in that. So the trailer I was using, I just picked up the actual trailer for my boat. What the heck this day week. was it? This week. So it's actually a, a really freaking nice yeah, trailer. So I I've saw never it. had yeah. anything yeah. this nice with wheels. <laughs> um, so I'm really happy. But the uh, I was using somebody else's trailer and the it was pretty ghetto it was pretty ghetto the crank was on carl's boat trailer and i brought a wrench and put it in my car the night before so i had something up and some i'm assuming it's my dad sorry dad took it and i got pissed because i we got the thing on the trailer and larry's like we're he's like where the hell is your crank i was like I've got a wrench to start doing the car. I was like, shit. <laughs> no, that was when you picked it up. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. Now, on, on, also, um, the drop-off of the skiff uh, late Friday night, early Saturday morning, actually. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, I met Ty for the first time. And uh, yeah. I, I think Ty took exception to the fact that I rode in the cab of the truck with with him oh, yeah, and, yeah. So, and Ben. And and probably the thing that set him off the most is Ben had already been to Orvis and gotten a dog bed <laughs> mm-hmm. and oh. had a dog bed on the seat. Barber. So, so when I moved in. it over, he Ty went over next to Ben and turned <laughs> and showed me all of his teeth and was like, so, and I'm like, Ben, is this going to be cool? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's good, he's good. And like probably four or five times on the way down, he'd look over at me and, and just like the... Just like Larry, like, like I don't even like you. And I'm like, um, dude, I'm helping your dad out, man. Settle yeah. down. So we're both tired. To be man. fair, <laughs> he growled way less at you than he did at Carl the first time. So Ty got attached to me pretty quick, which I'm cool with. Um, if I open the shop door for anybody and let him in, super fine. If you walk in the shop door and he doesn't like you haven't been there before. He'll bark at you. He won't bite, but he'll freaking bark at you for like, even after like, I'm like, Ty, this is so much. I can shake your hand, like hug you. And for like five minutes, he's just like, I don't know who the heck you are. Right. What are you doing around here? And he's a working. I didn't really know that about him when you got in the car or I probably would open the door for you. Like been been a real gentleman. Right. Open the door. Like, this is Larry. He's my date for the next. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So, you know, we, we took it right down to. The absolute limit when it came to being prepared. Um, I will tell you. Next year, I'm not going to build a boat before that. And next year, I'm going to make sure that the dinghy derby is not uh, a mere few days, like three days after I return from a vacation out of state. Um, Because I got back and I had to work a couple of projects, plus try to get everything ready. 
get over here. Um, Doggy Daddy had arrived. Ted came in town. And, you know, I still feel bad. Ted, originally, I was supposed to go to the airport and pick Ted up. And, like, it just, like, stuff just kept stacking up and yeah. stacking up. And finally, I called Ted, and I was like, dude, bro. I'll Ride the Ven- moose from the airport. I'll, I'll Venmo you money and cover the rental car, but I can't come get you. And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry. I was like, no, seriously. I and he, he, of course, mm. refused, but he, he ended up getting a rental car because I just had so much shit in my project oh. was yeah. to do a motor swap on my skiff. Right. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. That and, was another su- yeah. part of yeah. Sunday. Yeah. 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 So before the derby... Friday, Friday. You did that yeah. Friday. Oh, yeah. yeah, Friday. Yeah. So we hung three motors on Friday. Yeah. Like, and we did yours, mine, and Jameson's. I haven't had to break out the Sawzall wrench in a long time. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, I was like, okay, the guys are coming over. They're going to help me switch this out. So I'm going to have the motor ready to come right off. First bolt, nut, backs off, no problem. Backs off, no problem. The second one. And then I've got the, you know, clamps. Inter- the clamps. Yeah, yeah. The first one comes loose, no problem. The second one breaks, and I'm like, what the fuck? So, I, of course, like, try to find, like, uh, you know, the best pair of pliers, like channel locks. It's not holding on tight enough. And finally, I was like, wait a second. I got the Sawzall in the truck. It's yeah. aluminum. And I just cut that bitch right Zing. in half. Yeah, and just got, got over it. I yeah. feel like all the plans for everything were really, really good. Until the last, like you were saying, like the last three days. Yeah, like last, yeah. the last 24 hours. Everything was Oh, the last apart. 24 yeah. hours, <laughs> it was fucking mayhem. I mean, to the point I, like, looked at my boat. We were confident it was going to happen. And then all of a sudden I was like, there's just not enough man hours. I paid people mm-hmm. who I was like, I don't care. I was, I was like, I don't care if they don't even know how to work on glass. Like, I'll give you 100 bucks. Turns out I got someone who did know what he was doing with glass. Mm-hmm. And, like cutting the trim down on the cap i just told him i didn't even look at it i went and did everything else on my boat and he stayed like probably 16 hours and i gave him more money than i advertised <laughs> the other person didn't show up till later like they were gonna be there at nine and got there at two so they didn't get any money right um and they made the snack run which i was cool with um and they ha- like they helped me get stuff done it's like a lot of people came together Really helped me get the little last bit stuff done to get it there. Well, you I know, appreciate that because I had uh, done the motor swap, and then you know had Ted and 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 Mike come in town, and we're still doing just like last minute stuff, making sure we've got the raffle items packaged up, and we have a list so that we know everything that we're going to announce during the raffle, and just everything's piling up and piling up and piling up, and beers are getting opened and you know emptied know and opened that. and emptied and. I went to bed knowing I'm going to have to get up. We The thing started 7.30, right? Seven. 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 And so I, I set the alarm for six, and I was like, okay, I know the meth lab is going to be closed, but the pump will still work with you, you know a credit card. So knowing what the route was, I dipped my tank, and I was like, I got less than three gallons of gas. I'm going to have to go get gas in the morning. Yeah. So when I got up, Everybody in the house knew what time was go time. They're still asleep. And I'm like, oh, this this can't happen. This this can't be happening. But I don't have time to play mom. Mm -hmm. So I just like out the door, hooked the boat up. Off I went. Came back. Now people were in the shower. And I'm like, I Mm -hmm. I, got to go. Yeah. So I just said, you're ready or not. I simply said, 
hey, I'm going to launch the boat, take them to the tiny dock. I'll pick them up off the tiny dock. And that's what we did. We got over there. People were already waiting on us. And I think we actually started running people through stop one about 10 minutes early. Nice. And uh, it was pretty much like three distinct waves of people that came through. Um, The residuals of not being fully prepared because of the shit storm that happened prior to. um, We then did the uh, beer run. (laughs) (laughs) So we went and got beer and uh, loaded down the, the cooler on the the pontoon, the party vessel, yeah, and uh, loaded Carl up, loaded my skiff up, and made it down to stop two, and man, it just went smooth from there. I mean, it really it went was, smooth from stop one. Mine yeah. was out of the house, ready to go, on time. All right, I made it. We're you know we're right. boats in the water, things are started good. and everything. We're going, <laughs> and that skiff came to a. Howling, screeching all three times <laughs> <laughs> on the way from ramp that I know well to other plays that I know really well. I just wasn't paying attention. Right. I was just tired and like, oh, look, water, birds. Ramp. <laughs> well, <laughs> here we are again. Well, mine uh, only stopped because I didn't have time to go. I mean, my original plan was I'm going to bring my five-gallon tank from my house, and it turned into borrowing... Blake Hollis's three-gallon tank. Mm-hmm. So I ran out of fuel twice, though. Once, like, after we got to stop four, then, like, a bunch of us just kind of ran around the skiff a little bit. And then once, when we took the barge canal and went to cut out to go to back to River Breeze. Well, you know, the, the, the way our little trip down Chaos Lane just started <laughs> was was to say that it got hectic on Friday night, so we did not burn episode 29 on on schedule, so we're doing it tonight. But, uh, you know, part of what we would have talked about and I'm going to talk about now is uh, I did a little trip up to Pennsylvania to take my kid and two of his buddies to Camp Woodward so they could do... Uh, their summer camp week at Camp Woodward for skateboarding, and on the way up there was pretty cool. Had the chance to stop by and see District Angling and visit with Rich for a couple hours. Um, there's a brand new Team Payne skate park, literally like two miles from his shop. So the boys went and skated the new skate park, and we hung out. Got to know all the guys that work at Rich's shop, and um, Rich is a foodie. If you know Rich, mm-hmm. um, Rich loves loves good food, so he's pretty dialed in. Knows all the good spots around DC and in Arlington where he is. And he was like, "Hey, let's let's do lunch before you guys hit the road again." And he's got this little joint, like literally, like a mile from the shop, and I. I wish I remember the name of it, but uh, it's a Peruvian chicken, like rotisserie I've chicken. Been to one like of those. a peri-peri type deal? I don't know what a peri-peri deal is, but, Sorry. but yeah. this place... Yes. I've been to one, a Peruvian okay. one. It's like it really good. different. Man. It was it's good. It was yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. And, you know, I was like, you know, hell yes from the word go. And then, like, the, the fucking hook set was... And by the way... 
Anthony Bourdain did this place in in his show. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, cool. And it's Damn. blown up ever since. So we went and we ordered a shit ton of food, brought it back to the shop, and they had had a tying event that morning, so there were still a couple tables in the back of the shop set up. So literally it had just finally started slowing down in the shop. So we like piled the food on the table. All the guys that worked at the shop sat down, Shannon and Rich and I, and we just got to hang out with the shop guys and with Rich and and ate and had a good time. Great conversation. And I was telling them, yeah, I'm headed up to Penns Valley. Uh, I'm going to fish up there. And Grizz is one of the guys, older guy that works there. He's very familiar with that area. He's like, let me show you what flies you need. So I got all my flies there. Um, we actually got a sticker of that guy. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah, That's we sure cool do. Sticker, yeah. Right? Oh, is that who that is? Oh, yeah. So I, I remember the sticker, yeah. and I've thought, like, who is this? Yeah. Because I knew who Lefty Cray was on that one, and I didn't. Yeah. I mean, I probably a quick little Google. So about halfway between district angling and our final destination mm-hmm. that we were going to stay the the night before we delivered the boys to to woodward my phone rings and it's rich and i answer and i was like hey bro what's going on he's like man i just realized today is the one year anniversary of anthony bourdain's death mm-hmm. and i'm like that's, you guys would be at the Peruvian chicken place. We were, right? yeah, yeah. That's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. So we were both like, wow, that's kind of. That's kind of surreal. Mm-hmm. Surreal, yeah. and, you know. But uh, we we got the kids delivered to Woodward. Um, my son and, and his friend Travis, they've both been there a couple times uh, previously. And their friend Ian that went with them, this was his first time to Camp Oh, that's Woodward. cool. It's a Mecca. And dude. Mm-hmm. There's no greater joy in life, I'm telling you, than to see a kid's face the first time they go to Camp Woodward. Mm-hmm. We turned the corner, and he just lit up, and he had this fucking goofy grin on his face. It was just like, I mean, it's like sensory overload, because it's like everywhere you look is a skate park, and there's mm. people everywhere. Oh, it's parks, it's pros, like, yeah, it's it, a week of geeking out. Yeah, it's, it was insane. It was really cool. Have you been, Kevin? No, nah, I skated for a long time, worked at a skate park, but okay. I got to go to Woodward. But you like you know enough about it to know exactly what this kid's oh, yeah, going to. Okay, yeah, cool, yeah. cool. What, what park did you work? I worked at Fort Myers Skate Park. Used oh, okay. to be the sanctuary, but yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we've been to to that park. Have you really? Yeah, it's it's all the uh, wood, um, you know, like modular. Yeah, park. it was a bunch yeah. of wood, like yeah. wood on a big old cement slab. Yeah, I'd like hair down to my tits at the time, so I yeah. fit in really well there. Yeah, we we <laughs> we uh, we went to a spring training ball game down there, and uh, is that when the Red Sox were actually across the street from the skate park? No, no, no. This was at uh, the, the mini, at, mini Fenway. Yeah, at the yeah. Fenway South, and uh, I took Wyatt there. Uh, he, he dug it, but um, so we get uh, we get the boys dropped off, and we headed down to Milheim, which is uh, the town that's about halfway between Woodward and where we had our uh, Airbnb, and stopped there. Had a couple beers at the. Uh, what is it? Uh, Elk Creek Cafe and Brewery. Mm-hmm. And amazing beer there, amazing food. All their food is like locally sourced. And after we had lunch, um, Coburn is kind of due south from there. 
and we can take like a back road from Coburn to our Airbnb and Coburn's like the center of if you're fishing Penn's Creek, that's where the fly shop is. Um, so I said, Hey, let's go by the fly shop real quick. We went to the fly shop. I still wanted to get a few dry flies. Um, and I'd fished Penn's Creek the year before. So I kind of had a decent idea of what I should be getting and, you know, it's no secret. I'm getting older. My eyes are, are doing what, you know, eyeballs tend to do. Things don't focus up close. Um, I'm, you know, will occasionally break down and put the cheaters on. Some real long arms. Yeah. Put stuff away out. Yeah, but see, the problem with that is if you do the long arm thing with, like, you know, the three, four, five X even, you know. <laughs> yeah, but, like, yeah. but if you, we're you looking at the fly, it, it makes it right. look bigger for us. Mm-hmm. So... I walk into the fly shop, um, and there's there's a sport at the counter that apparently had just bought a reel, and the dude that owns the shop, I'd met him last year, he was rigging up the, the reel for the guy, was putting a line on it, and just finished putting backing on it, and he's talking to this guy, and you know this is like the stereotypical Bob from Houston. He's talking about how awesome you know he is, and all these awesome fish that he's been catching, and He's just, you know, holding court while this guy's just trying to get this fucking reel done and get him the fuck out the door. He seems like he's there by himself. So I'll, they've got like a table with like, you know, all their go-to flies in the fly bin. So I walk over and I get one of the little cups and I'm like, I'll take one of those, one of those. And I get a half dozen uh, dry flies. And then I walk and I'm kind of like standing like 15 feet behind the guy, just kind of waiting for him to shut the fuck up, pay for his <laughs> shit and get out of the way. And the guy realizes that I'm waiting to check out and he looks up and he's like, oh, hey, I'm so sorry. You know, a little bit busy. I was like, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm not in a rush. He's like, do you need any help with, with fly selection? And I was like, no, I think I'm good. He doesn't acknowledge that and goes, Justin. Little kid comes out of the back of the shop that's like, you know, 15, 16, mm-hmm. little shop rat kind of guy. It might not have been Justin, but, you know, for, for purposes of the story. Kid comes out. He looks a little, you know, looks, looks like a little trout bum. And he's like, would you help this gentleman uh, get get the right flies? Um, and I said, no, no, really, I'm good. And he, he like, kind of does like the, the leans back on his stool. What do you mean you're good? And he's like, <laughs> and he actually said, you wouldn't like our professional advice on what you should be fishing. And I said, well, I'm sure you have great advice, but you have to understand I could give a shit less what (laughs) these trout are looking for. I picked out a half dozen flies that I know I can see. (laughs) And if there happens to be a trout that's dumb, that'll eat what I can see. I'll be happy and I'll still be just as equally happy if they're not eating my fly because I'm going to have beer with me. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you, sir, are the type of guy I like coming into the shop. <laughs> He's like, you get it. Come on, step up here. I'll get you checked out. <laughs> and nice. I bought my flies and I cruised on out. We went and uh, got settled into the um, Airbnb and, uh, you know, up there, it's usually late afternoons, the best chance for hatches. It really comes alive, like right at the end of the day. And um, we loaded up a little cooler in the old minivan and 
went and found a little pull-off next to Penn's Creek, and I threw the waders on and waded out there and caught me my first couple of fish and starting to get dark, so we went on back to the house. And every day that I fished, um, with the exception of one, I ill-advised, went ahead and tried to fish. We had one day I couldn't fish at all because it was raining pretty much all day long. And uh, the water was coming up and getting dirty. And I was being impatient. So the following day, even though the, the flows had kicked up and the water was dirty, I tried to fish and, and got, you know, skunked. Um, mainly because I refused to put a bobber on and, and dredge with, you know, <laughs> nymphs. But, uh, yeah, I, I had a good time, man. Got uh, Brookie, Brown, and Rainbows on that trip. And uh, had a good time doing it. And uh, last year's was uh, well, last year was high bull- water. Oh, it was super yeah, high, oh, crazy yeah. water. Kind of had a crazy. Tough, I caught one tough. fish yeah. the whole trip. That's still better than any trout trip I've done. Mm-hmm. So Thursday evening, while we were up there, um, Thursday it actually was was the rain day. It had been raining all day. So literally, the wife and I simply Netflix, Netflix chill at the Airbnb, and towards the end of the day you can see on the radar that the last bit of rain is starting to clear out. And we had had a plan. Our little date night was going to be to go back up to Milheim. Milheim has that whole region has nothing but volunteer fire departments. Oh, cool. Mm. And the volunteer fire department in Milheim was having their carnival that weekend, but the whole weekend festivities kicked off on Thursday with the fireman's parade. Oh, yeah, I saw that in your story. Uh, yeah. That looked yeah, awesome. Yeah. yeah, so, and literally, Milheim is the stereotypical American one stoplight town. And, like and a little Main Street kind of section with one light. One light. Stores on either side for yep. about 10, yeah. 10 or 15 feet. <laughs> well, you know, maybe maybe two blocks in each direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of, like, once you get beyond one block, it's residences up against the street. Mm-hmm. The, the, the core business center is block, 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 and then it's houses. Yeah. Well, we see that, you know, it's looking like it's going to clear up, and we're like, should we go? Should we not go? Are they going to cancel it? And I looked at the radar, and I said, I think it's going to happen. I think, I think the rain's going to be out of here. So we loaded up. We got to downtown Milheim right at 7, and literally – the rain had stopped. The sun came out. They didn't start exactly at 7. They started at 7.30. And I was absolutely amazed. There were fire trucks from every little town, probably within like a 20-mile radius. That's cool. Everybody brought them out. Yeah. yeah. And it, you know, and, and, and everybody's like driving the fire truck, you know, with like their little three-year-old son sitting on their lap. And they're... they're th- they threw more fucking candy and bubble gum out of like mm-hmm. it, it was more candy than residents mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> to the point that there was still candy laying in the street when it was all yeah, over. Yeah. Like the kids couldn't pack it up fast enough. But one of the interesting things that area is Amish country, okay. and we you know would see Amish what do their fire carriages look like? They don't have fire carriages. Okay, but There's eight horses as opposed to four. Okay. Yeah. Nice. The um, the MC for the uh, parade, one of the businesses like has a big porch with a balcony yeah. over top of it. He was up on top of that balcony, oh, cool. and that was like parade center or whatever. 
as each fire department would come to parade center, he would talk about that fire department or whatever. But early on, of course, the Milheim fire department was going to lead the parade off just prior to the parade starting. I don't know if you've ever been to an area where there's a volunteer fire department in a rural area. It literally is. And if you saw my story, you can hear that. Like it's like an air raid siren. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the call for firemen to come to the station. They have a call. Yeah. And literally the parade is about to start and that fucking siren goes off. And the, the guy on the PA goes, well, looks like Milheim just got a call. So, uh, folks, uh, make sure you're not going across the street. They're probably going to be coming out here momentarily. <laughs> and sure enough, the engine comes around the corner. He's, like, starting to pick up steam. Siren comes on. And, like, he comes to a stop right in front of us, right at the stoplight. And I thought at first he was stopping for the red light, like, you know, to clear the intersection. Mm-hmm. Nope. The door pops open. Dude gets out. They take, like, two cases of beer out. <laughs> door closes. <laughs> He takes off, and then the ambulance comes out behind him, and off they go. There was like a wreck on the highway yeah. a few miles away. So they ended up. They got back. They ended up at the end of the parade or whatever. But uh, like, we can't bring this with us. Yeah, we gotta yeah, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. You think his volunteers that might have that luxury? Yeah, to bring yeah, some yeah, beer yeah. with them. So it doesn't time. instill confidence. So <laughs> actually, I feel more confident yeah. in them. The beer confidence. The yeah. MC took that opportunity, and he said, "You know, folks." Um, the, the fire service here is all volunteer, and, you know, if you've ever thought of volunteering at the fire department, you don't have to fight fires to be a, a, a volunteer fireman. And he goes, and quite honestly, we have a really good bunch of guys that are fully trained, that have been through the training, that are, are our heroes that will go into a burning building and do what it takes to do. And what we need more than anything are people that can drive. Because our Amish friends in the community, they get here within minutes of the siren going off, but they have to wait until one of our drivers can get here to get to the fire. And I was like, wow, that's so weird, but it's cool. So literally, like a lot of the Amish guys are part of the fire crew, but they, their religion, their, their way of life prevents them from driving. So they'll get on their bike or they'll take the buggy or they'll come in on on a horse and they'll show up. And then it's just like, wait, isn't that pretty cool? I I never thought about that much for volunteers. Well, I was, but I was picturing like Dwight Schrute. Okay. First, (laughs) all the yes. But no, the, uh, so years ago on Craigslist, I found a CJ7 that was a fire truck for like brush stuff. And it had these like little portable water tanks. And I thought they might have something kind of similar with like like a hand crank to like, (laughs) well, I mean, motors. Yeah. And like they could like hook it up and wheel out somewhere and like do a little something like if a barn caught on fire, like maybe like Amish community fire department. But that makes, Way more sense. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're really integrated into the, the, community. the community. Oh, yeah. Um, they just they have their traditional ways of doing sure. things. Um, so that that was neat. That was a real, real neat perspective. So the parade came to an end, and um, Elk Creek uh, Brewery was having a basically like an evening where they had this bluegrass band that was playing in the, you know, so we went and hung out, got some food, got more beer and hung out, had a really cool little bluegrass show. And 
it was just about wrapped up and the band had stopped and everybody in the bar was like, come on, encore, encore. And they're like, okay, we'll play one more. And I was about to burst. So I got up to go pee. And as I was walking towards the bathroom, I could hear Wagon Wheel starting. And they're going <laughs> to. Such a good song. And, and they're doing a bluegrass, you know, nice yeah. bluegrass version of, of Wagon Wheel. I'm standing, staring at the wall, doing my business, and like blaring over Wagon Wheel is like a fire truck leaving. And I'm like, oh, they got a call. And then another fire truck and like they're laying on the air horn, you know, it's like, you know, you know, just romping on it. And then another one and another one and another one. And finally I finish and I walk outside and I'm like in the middle of an active call. And I'm like, what is going on? (laughs) Nobody's there anymore. No, what it was, (laughs) what it was. And it was the coolest thing. The fire departments, all the, all the volunteer fire departments that had come for the parade they had all gone over to the fire hall and hung out and like socialized. And then it, like, it was like basically closing time for that bar. So like, I guess it was time to, for everybody to like kind of leave. And it was all of them leaving. And that was their way that they were like saying goodbye <laughs> as they yeah. left. So I'm, you know, I just heard and, and, and I'm walking out and Shannon's got her phone and she was like, you know, video in the the band and like you know all these fi- like it was just the cra- it was the coolest thing and i'm like oh you got it on video that's great this is going to be and she's like i don't know what i did but i didn't get it <laughs> like <laughs> damn it it <laughs> it what it what it is or what it was is you know if you're doing a story on instagram you touch it and you hold it to get the video. But if you're doing it with just your phone, you got to just tap it to start it. So she was holding her thumb down on it the whole time, thinking that it was like... (laughs) (laughs) Shannon's too much of an influencer. Yeah. Yeah. So unfortunately, we can't share that video. But um, it was really a neat, neat evening. It It was amazing fun. And my last Amish story, and I think it's the best one of the trip... Um, two days, three days prior, we had, uh, let me back up. So that first day after I had picked out my six flies, um, on the Flyberry project Instagram page, I had seen that somebody had put a Flyberry patch up on Penn's Creek. I knew exactly where it was from being there the year previous so after we finished at the shop, I said, hey, let's go check out the Flyberry. And we drove down. It's like a little single lane road, dead ends at this old um, railroad um, tunnel that goes through the mountain. And you can see all the way through to the other side. And as we're going down there, there's like two trucks behind us. And we get down there. It's obvious they're, you know, fly fishing guys. There's a couple of vehicles in the parking lot, huge fly fishermen. They've got the rod racks and everything. And, um, I get out and I see where the, the fly patch is and I'm like kind of walking over there. I'm planning on doing like a story or whatever. And like those guys are walking over and I hear one of them saying something about, yeah, man, there's even a flyberry over here. I said, yeah, it's all right, right over here. And, and, uh, I can't remember exactly what they said. How do you know what a flyberry is? Mm-hmm. And, and you hit them with the knowledge and, and no, they, they said something about, uh, one of them said to the other one, um, yeah, there's a podcast that 
that does, you know, this, and this is how it got started. And I was like, oh, you listen to Taylor Trash Fly Fishing? And they're like, yeah, man. Um, and I was like, hey, and I'm about to introduce them. And they're like, yeah, you're Larry. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was just the most surreal, weirdest thing to run into people that you've never met before. But because of this idiocy that we involve ourselves with on this podcast that it actually opens doors. Yeah. So we end up hanging out with those guys for probably about 45 minutes. And during that time, they're like, you know, you just plan on fishing pins. And I was like, yeah, pretty much, you know, I'm staying up here in spring mill and this is pretty much what I know to do. And they're like, you've got to go to the narrows. I'm like, where's that? And they explain where the narrows is. It was, it's a different Creek. It's probably about 20 minute drive away lot different uh down in a almost like a gorge Mm -hmm. and that's why they call it the narrows the Mm -hmm. mountains come really close together and it's like you know so shannon and i the following day went and fished the narrows when we when we wrapped up we're getting ready to head back and we're gonna have to go through milheim and whatnot and as luck would have it i needed a can of dip so we're about to make the turn to go back into milheim and i'm like shit i need a can of dip and I was like, you think there's like a store in this little town? So we pull into the gas station there on the corner and I go in. I'm like, hey, do you have any Copenhagen? And they're like, no, we don't sell that here. Go down about a block. There's a little store. And I went down, found a little store. The old dude working there was like, yeah, I got that and sold me that. So now I get back in the car and we're headed back out. And apparently I missed my turn because now we're like, wait a second, this doesn't look right. And we're coming down this long kind of hill and it's like definitely out of town and now it's like farmhouse a couple big fields another farmhouse and something catches my eye and it's coming down the driveway and you know i'm driving so i'm paying attention and i'm like oh lift a little bit like mm-hmm. what's i can't really tell what it is but it's something moving fast and all of a sudden it like does a 180 back towards the house and it gets in front of like this detached garage that looks like like part of a barn you know it's like a small barn but it's definitely detached Mm -hmm. and it whips around again now it's headed back towards the road so now i'm like really slowing down it was a fucking amish (laughs) go-kart i shit you not i'm really excited about this i know two ufo absolutely adorable toe head white blonde hair the kid, <laughs> the, the the boy, probably six, maybe seven. What I would assume was probably his sister was like four or five. And they were in like a large radio flyer wagon mm-hmm. with a pony. Dude. <laughs> and that pony, he was, he was giving it the fucking leather. And that pony was fucking moving. And he would yank, and that pony would fucking do a one eight, and that I mean they would get slung, and those two kids were laughing and having the fucking time of their life. And Shannon's like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" So she's fumbling for her phone. You know, we're gonna probably violate all rules of how you're supposed to treat Amish. You Mm -hmm. know, and probably take a picture for the gram. And as soon as she gets the camera out, that little kid happened to see it, and he was like, "Woed them up and stopped," Mm -hmm. and they like looked like. You looking at something? Mm-hmm. You think we're like a sideshow or something? <laughs> and they literally would not like. He just like kind of looked at it like, nope. 
we've seen this happen before. You're not getting a video of us. <laughs> so we eased on down, turned around, came back up, and he was still watching. Waited for us to go. And I looked in the rearview mirror a minute later, and he's fucking having at it again. <laughs> like, They're gone. Hit it. And I, I told you, I said, you know what we just saw? A damn Amish go-kart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and you might, you might be one of a few people who's actually, like, seen it go. I mentioned it to uh, Craig Schroyer. Craig Schroyer is a guy that uh, actually put up the flybrary okay. in Coburn. He just opened a new Airbnb nice. right in Coburn, and he invited us over one evening to see it because it's right on on, on Pine, the creek on Pine Creek. Pine Creek comes into um, Penns Creek, and he let us fish his little stretch of private water one evening. That's and, cool. Um, I was telling him, I was like, yeah, we fished in the Narrows yesterday, and I saw these two kids. He goes, with the ponies? And I was like, yes. <laughs> Everyone knows those kids. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah, we know those kids. The whole city's been trying to get a video of them. Yeah. There's <laughs> a pretty high reward if you get yeah. an actual video. Yeah. So uh, that that was, uh, you know, People my, crawling up with my grand together. experience <laughs> in uh, Penns Valley. I would tell you, if you're ever thinking about going up there, especially if you could get a group of guys together, Definitely consider doing it. Um, if you're so on- that that uh, Airbnb you're talking about that he started, it has private water. Yes, like yes, the property or whatever. Yeah, so, so you just check in and just yeah, do your thing. Well, you wouldn't fish the whole day there, mm-hmm. but it, it would definitely be an awesome place. Like you know, as everybody's getting up and getting ready to yeah. ma- you know like kind of um, start your day or end start it. your day or end your day yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, it's called uh, Coburn on the Creek is like the Instagram it. handle. And, um, he, he fly fishes himself. Um, so he, you know, he's, he's dialed in Mm -hmm. and he's pretty awesome when it comes to like knowing what there is to do, where to go, uh, to the point that, you know, I mean, we just, I met him through the library project Mm -hmm. and we had told him that we were planning on going to, there was this phenomenal meat market in Milheim and, like unbelievably cheap steaks, cheap uh, pork chops, because everything at this meat market is like locally sourced, locally butchered. I mean, it's fresh. And compared to like if you went to Publix and bought the same steak, you're you're like paying a third less. So we had picked up a couple steaks one night, and then we did uh, these amazing stuffed pork chops one night. And so I told Craig, I was like, yeah, we're planning on going and, you know, getting a bunch of like, there's, they have a smokehouse there at the meat market and we're going to pick up some of this uh, ring bologna and all this other, like these smoked cheeses to take home. So I get a text on Friday. He's like, Hey, heads up shop today at the meat market. If you wait till Saturday, they're going to be sold out of so much stuff. Like they, they get ready and like everybody around town shops Friday afternoon through Saturday morning. And then it's like tapped out Mm. and they're closed Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I was like, you know, so just like little tips like that. It's like, Hey, this is what you need to do. I've actually seen, watched some kind of show about like, you know, local farms and Uh like actually locally sourced stuff. And it was the exact same thing. It was a little store. It was the farmers that worked the like little meat market uh-huh. and thing. And it was like run what you brung. So it's it sells out, you know, and they close for the week. And that's it. It's pretty interesting. Craig, his vocation, he works down in Spring Mills. I can't think of the name of the company. 
he certifies organic farms. Oh, There's cool. like a oh, cool. organic certification. Yeah. So he goes and inspects and like that it's like a big deal to be a certified mm-hmm. organic farm. And he was he was explaining to us like in that region you might be an organic dairy. But in order to be an organic dairy, you also everything that the cows consume. Eat, so not only is there an organic, certified organic dairy, there's certified organic hay producers. Full cycle. Soybeans. Yeah, and, and he says, yeah. that's what I do. I go out and I, I inspect and, and, and monitor and make sure that the hay producer is doing it organically. And you guys, I'm probably sure I know the answer to this. Milk. Have you ever seen milk come in a, a glass container? Uh, no. Yes, I have. Okay, so old school, old. old school, glass containers is what milk would come in at the grocery store, and you pay a deposit, and you use it when you bring it back. You like get money back for bringing the container back. It gets sterilized and clean, and it's like small scale dairies would do that. Mm-hmm. There's one in Utah that still does that. Okay, well, there's one in Penns Valley that still nice. does, and. Holy shit! Different. It's a different it's a level of good. Oh, different level mm-hmm. of good. Is that because the quality and whether how it's sourced, or is it because the UV rays are going through glass now and that affects? No, the no, no, I don't. No, I don't think that. I think it's just an old school thing that they they still cling to to do it in the glass. Well, and now it's like kind of, kind of cool. Kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's cool. It's, yeah, it's definitely the, nostalgic. When we yeah. went snowboarding in Utah, which I think it was called the Hebron Dairy Farm or something. First off, they make they make ice cream, cheese, and everything there, and it's all freaking out of this world. Yeah. Um, and it comes in a you can buy it in like a half gallon, I think. And it's actually funny. You have to sign a waiver the first time you buy it because it's not pasteurized. Right. But oh, it's, yeah, it's yeah, fresh. Yeah. yeah. yeah it so, was cool. So we bought we bought chocolate milk from that dairy. Nice. And when the boys got out of Woodward, we had like, you know, like stuff for them because we hook them up on Saturday morning and, and they could have eaten it at camp, but they may have nibbled a little bit or whatever. So when we got back to the Airbnb because we stayed one last night, before we started traveling home, we were like, hey, any you guys want some chocolate milk? And they're like, uh. I'm like, dude, you want you, some? You, mm-hmm. you got to try it. And and then, like, within 20 minutes, it gone. was all gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, the, uh, that's cool. It's, it's kind of, that stuff's real weird because you can tell with like beef and stuff a lot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, the, the pork chops that we had, I mean, the pork Those chops, looked good. Oh, God. They mm-hmm. were, fucking amazing absolutely amazing and and they made like their own stuffing and they were oh they were just I, i'm ready to go back up there <laughs> i feel like rich you know i'm ready to just go up there and eat, eat. Yeah. maybe fish a little bit but you know really want to go back there to eat. and live the life yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, sticking with a going back up there in the pennsylvania theme i had beers with jake mccushion yes uh, you did I forget what day that was. Sunday, Monday. So did Jake get into his background at all? A little bit. Um, and I don't, I feel like a piece of crap because I don't remember much, but I, I was still kind of coming off of a two-week bender of no sleep. Right. Um, but his family has a house in Pennsylvania, like a, I don't think it's a farm, but they've got like a lodge Okay. on a creek. He said, Anytime we want to go up there, just let him know. Well, he, he messaged me a couple of days ago, 
Um, he used and he said, and uh, his Instagram handle is Jake is if, a good pilot, right? Uh, Jake is an okay pilot, is an okay and pilot. then it, then <laughs> then That's his thing under it says Jake from State Farm. Yes, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. So that. super nice guy. So he he messaged me and said and asked if I'm a certified flight instructor, and I said no, and I said private pilot, single engine land, single engine sea. And he was like, man, I need to get my, my seaplane rating. And I was like, it's the most fun flying you can ever have. And he said, uh, 300 feet above ground level through Syria is some of the most fun flying I've ever had. Nice. And yeah. So, like, yeah, what? Hmm. He's in the reserves. Okay. Um, I don't know about the 300 feet above sea level, but that sounds awesome. She sounds hideous. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's a dude. Yeah, it's a yeah. um, what are you wearing, Jake? So yeah, he's, he's in the sounds. reserves <laughs> and flies in and out of Melbourne a little bit. He flies for Delta, right? He flies for Delta. Yeah. Atlanta's his hub. It's switching to L.A. in the next like couple months. So he's actually going to try to get a couple more trips out this way so he and I can go fish. Cool. Um, but we met up for beer at Helen Blaze's. Uh, had a good time. Ran, he ran into somebody f- that his wife knows, or some kind of weird snare like that. I kind of ran s- into some guy that his wife had following him. <laughs> no, <laughs> she's heard about how that's this a, flight crew's party. That's yeah, a private no, investigator. Yeah. They, he had an LSU <laughs> uh, shirt on, and oh, okay. he started talking. And like his wife worked with one of his good buddies. Um, but he lives in Louisiana now. He used to be a, a he used to be a fly guide. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. He used to do guided trips in, I think, Pennsylvania. Oh, cool. Um, and then maybe wound up in Colorado or something, and now he's they're living in Louisiana on the north end of Lake Pontchartrain. And he guides 10 trips a year. He flies out of Houston, though, isn't he? Or you say he's mm-hmm. out? His, well, his hub is Atlanta. Okay. Cause he but he did a- fly through Houston, like, the next day. Yeah, he, he posted a story. Because I was busy. I was down in Bonita, or not yeah, Bonita Springs, because he'd messaged me and said, "Hey, are you you know how far yeah. are you from from Melbourne?" And I was like, "I'm an hour north of Melbourne when I'm here." And I was like, "I'm busy, unfortunately, but let me reach out to Ben." Yeah, so he did. But um, the next day, I saw his story, and it was uh, this fucking line of thunderstorms. Yeah, it looked nasty. And he was like, you know, of course, blah. And I made a comment, and I said, "It's." Uh, little light chop as you descend to your destination <laughs> yeah because <laughs> it was right in his like the whole like it was as, there was it no was going kind of narrow yeah. but it was like right yeah. in the flight path he had to take going the long way through it yeah um but he was super cool to hang out with um so he's gonna come back we're gonna fish a little bit get on some snook he doesn't have those in louisiana oh yeah yeah um and i think we're gonna meet up when when i get my skiff like done and kind of Get settled back in the rhythm. I want to do, I'm going to call it the Red State Tour. And I want to start in Texas and do (laughs) one, not politically, although I'm okay with red states too. (laughs) Um, Start in Texas, work my way through Florida, catch a redfish in all the red states that way. And then maybe six months later, go up to Virginia, work my way back down and try to catch a redfish in all the... That's cool. Redfish states. That's and pretty so, awesome. Yeah. yeah. So when we go to Louisiana, he and I are going to hook up and he's going to do the Louisiana one with me. I think that would make Louisiana a lot cooler. Instead of going like, you know, just doing the guided thing. Uh-huh. If you knew somebody that lived there that could just kind of, you know, semi-DIY. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah for sure. Do your own thing. That'd be fun. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, 
and kind of the draw to it is kind of because each, you know, redfish are kind of different. Where like, if I was going to do a Florida redfish, it'd be the lagoon because it's like its own little unique thing with right. these resident fish. So I don't know what makes them super special in Texas, but however they're like shallow lagoon system is or whatever. I want to go do it there. Louisiana is probably going to wind up being bull reds or something. It's some kind of weird thing. Mm-hmm. And flood tides in Charleston off the beach in North Carolina and kind of try to hit all the what makes that state's redfish Different. fishery unique yeah, right. and try to see if we can work it out. It, it's it's a little ways down the road, but... See if you can break 100 pounds off the beach in North Carolina. <sighs> I don't think... I think You've I'm good. That stuff? It's yeah. so awesome. It's insane. <laughs> I mean, I... Uh, the biggest red I've caught is like thirty inches. So, like, if we break ten pounds, I'm probably pretty happy with yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you met up with him after the Dingy Derby. So let's let's you know enough about Pennsylvania. Let's let's kind of circle it back around and and talk about Dingy Derby. I was absolutely amazed at the number of people that showed up. Um, the amount of money that was donated from people as far away as Wisconsin and, you know, that were just like, Hey, I'm not going to be able to be there, but man, we're down with helping you guys yeah. with, mm-hmm. with the water quality issues and mosquito lagoon. Here's a donation, um, raffle stuff, money, all the raffle money. stuff yeah, that was sent. All you know, and like r- not everything in the raffle was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everything was Banging. Let's talk so, on that for a minute. What, I've always thought, man, it'd be so cool to have, you know, be on the, the quote-unquote pro staff and get all this cool gear and, you know, all this stuff. It was actually way cooler. Or, like, for the show. Like, what if we had, like, actual advertisers? Right. That'd be really cool. It was actually the coolest way to have, you know, like, bring everything together like that. Yeah, like, rods are cool right. for me. Right. But to have everybody come together the well, shops the people but there's yes, even cooler even stories than like, that yeah man. so w- what was cool to me and you guys were super busy you guys didn't didn't hang out here friday night we were all talking about like jokingly you know it's like god i wish i wasn't on this fucking podcast oh we talked about yeah. that all week oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like man i really wish i could be in on this uh, raffle but you know it, yeah you know i can't win the fly tying event i can't win you know a raffle yeah, you know exactly. it's just not right mm-hmm. So to to see people winning stuff in the raffle and like the dragon uh fly fishing mm-hmm. line management man, yeah. the dude that won that, he came up and the first thing he said was, I'm so fucking stoked. That's the <laughs> only fucking thing that I was like, I've gotta win this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's rad, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. So I have no idea how many tickets he bought. I don't know anything about that. All I know is paid off. He really wanted, and he got it. the The kid that won the rod, not two, not, two rods, and the trip with Tanner Siebert. Okay, okay. So we're we gave away the TFO BVK first and he won it and he there was a serious level of stoke on mm-hmm. that kid's part he was like giddy He's younger dude yeah, yeah younger remember, dude yeah. in a ginu yeah you know well didn't he yes yes okay, okay. I, I won't spoil okay it. so and then then um he wins the trip with Tanner Sievert 
And as I'm handing it to him, I'm like, bro, you've got a new rod. You're going to be the fucking diva up on the dance floor. You're going to have Tanner pushing you around, man. This this day couldn't get any better. And he's like, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. But wait, there's more. But yeah. wait, there's <laughs> more. So we get to the final prize, $1,250 between a Mauser rod, a Waterworks Lampson mm-hmm. reel, Rio line, um... Am I right? I think a fly box with flies in it. Leader. Uh, um, it was like, like a complete. It was basically yeah, it was, like yeah. you could Bad walk game. off the dock yeah. from winning that and go catch a fish. And that was from district angling. And he wins that. And so now he is just like, he looks like he just saw Woodward for the first time. Yeah. That I mean, level of stoke. yeah, that yeah. level of stoke. And he blurts out. I can't believe this. My day started so shitty. I lost my fly rod and reel this morning between stop two and three. And I was like, what? (laughs) He actually only owned one reel, you know, like one rod and reel. One setup. One setup and fucking lost it during the derby and then turns around yeah. and fucking bangs it down yeah. to in the raffle. And like in the game, baby. Two yeah. nice yeah. rods, exactly. like two good setups. Yeah. I mean, that's that's one of those, if there's ever been an example of like karma working, yeah. like you, you could tell the kid was just super awesome, super nice. And to see him win, that brought more joy to me than winning it myself. Yeah. I mean, cause he went, he went from the lowest low, you know, oh, so he like, real yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, from like, I think that's really real. We used to do real weird stuff and like wish for flat tires because like on the way to fish, oh, cause oh. it would pay, it would pay off. And right. Everybody got really into it for a while. Right. Just like, Hoping for like knots or broken stuff or broken Cause, eyes because from adversity becomes yeah, yeah. like you're gonna you get like bad stuff out of the way you hope it happens now get it out of the way and you'll have like a better day for it you, worked did, man. did worked you win again. anything in the raffle yeah I haven't won a raffle since I was probably like ten years old at the skating rink in like elementary school yeah. uh-huh. I a you got a churro side hat <laughs> 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 I want a flood side hat and a gift card and uh, nice geez, I couldn't have been happier yeah, yeah that's awesome yeah. that's awesome so uh, and. Dude, the chick that won the uh, cooler, the, the cooler man, mm-hmm. she was like giddy, fucking crazy stoked. There was a little was, kid by me that like got like a hat. Yeah, yeah, dude, yeah, yeah. he was he was Tom, he Thomas. was jammed up. Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 he was all. And best boat of the derby, mine. No, I know. <laughs> no, no, it's no. the power drifter. It's yeah, it's the stealth craft so power drifter, yeah. dude. Like so, that is so fucking rad. He was. I don't think I saw you at the dock, but when I pulled up, Blake Hollis was there. Uh, a handful of other guys, it was pretty clear they were running the derby. And then all of a sudden, I see this Toyota back. And now with this stealth craft, I was like, okay, the odds of this guy just not being a part of our group, pretty low. <laughs> <laughs> but at first, I was like, I knew Doggy Daddy drove down. I was like, did he bring it? Like, because I know he's yeah. got one, but I thought, I was like, I'm pretty, I saw the motor on the back. I was like, I'm pretty sure he had like a kicker. I don't think he's like, yeah, friggin' that thing was out. Kind of 90 or whatever Supreme. It was. Yeah. He had a, he had a 60. 60. And with the jet foot on it. With the jet yeah. foot on it. Um, I didn't tell him. It had that, that you're amazing not maybe anchor. supposed to run them in certain areas. Well, I don't know if that applies I though, think there's, there's an outboard. I think there's an exclusion for personal watercraft in the park. I don't okay, think it's yeah, jet that propulsion. makes sense. You're right. Um, Either way, I was like, "Screw it! I don't care. I'll, like, I'll I'll run interference on a <laughs> boat without hall numbers." Uh, 
But he like pulled up, asked the guy, I was like, Are you in the dinghy derby? He's like, Yeah, man. I was like, What's this dude? He's like, It does about 40 miles an hour. <laughs> That's 40 <laughs> miles an hour to drift boat. And it's like, It was kind of big. That was the it's, thing. It was, it was like, big. Super yeah. wide. It had everything the, about it. Had it had the oak oars like pinned back like a racehorse's ears. Yeah. <laughs> and I was really bummed because. Because of like getting my boat and getting getting the beer, the ice, I never got to see that thing ripping I don't forty think I miles ever saw down. It thing. Move. I saw I it pulling. I, yeah. I saw it pulling up at Eldora at stop three, but it was not coming in full rip. And it I had like, the cool anchor, man, like the medieval. Yeah, that like death the, anchor. Yeah, dude. Oh, well, that's that's because when you're so cool. in a rocky river, yeah, like grabs or whatever. It's got to get in and, yeah. and, and grab, you know. Um, what were some of the other highlights? So at stop two, um, stop two was Ted and I's first encounter of the arrival of shame. So Uh-oh. we had uh, people pulling through, and Ted and I were trying to do our best to like remember people's mm-hmm. names, and we did a real shitty job of that. But we we started like making notes, like you know, on our our list, like the guys that were in the jet boat got jet written beside their name. So as the jet boat was pulling up, we'd be like, Hey Bob and Tom, you know, Mm -hmm. and we see a a boat coming up and I'm like, I don't recognize that boat. And they pull up and they're like, Hey, we missed stop one. Uh, We stayed in Port Canaveral. Our buddy that we stayed with told us it should only take this amount of time to get up there. It was longer. And I looked at Ted and I said, you know what? It's a fun event. Fuck it. Yeah. yeah. And I said, we're catching you up on chips. Thanks for making it. And we let them draw two chips at that stop. And then at stop three, we had another boat show up that had missed stop one and two. They said they got lost or whatever. We're like, yeah, catch up. Dude, you if know? this was in a different town that I didn't know where I was going, I wouldn't get there till like stop five right. in hopes of making <laughs> right, it to right. stop one. <laughs> Just so, for the after party. Yeah, lost, completely lost, yeah. everything so, broken. So it stopped two when we had that first, you know, straggler show up. You know, we took care of them, gave them their koozies and their, their yeah. event sticker and their, their tickets for the raffle. And uh, we're like looking around, we're like, all right, I think we've got everybody. And there were, there were maybe a couple of boats that had rafted up kind of south of us. And then we see a boat coming towards us. It's got two people in it, guy standing up behind the console, chick sitting down on the floor in front of the console. And Ted's like, hey, man, I think we got another straggler. And then I look and I go, dude's got a gun. That's the man. 5-0. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was 5-0. 5-0, And uh, it was the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, which would be the refuge side of the lagoon. Federales. They, so they were, were pulling up right when I was leaving spot, too. I saw that. Yeah. And <laughs> Kevin's like, I got to go. I, it, that was weird because it was <laughs> unmarked, and they were headed right towards you. And I saw the guy, and I didn't recognize like his face. I was like, I don't remember that guy. They, they were they buffed up. They, buffs. they were uh, buffed yeah, yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Dude, like, like Cornito, I dig it. Comes, <laughs> but he's, he's definitely like cutting through like right towards you. Yeah, so I'm like, well, oh, he's getting, trying to get a chip. So, so <laughs> as, he, as he's coming up, like, we realized it's the man. I, I, I just did what I normally. I'm like, hey, man, what's going on? Mm. He's like, you guys getting any fish this morning? I said, dude, we don't even have a rod on the boat. Mm. I said, we are doing a fundraiser for Marine Discovery Center. He's like, really? What's that about? And I explained, like, what the, you know, that we're doing this poker run and, and that this was stop number two and we're headed up to Eldora House and we've raised this much money so far and we're about to do this raffle. And he just goes, I can get down with that. That's awesome. And Latrell made two new friends that day. And, yeah. and he just kept on going. 
And, and uh, then Larry, you went, hey, can I hold your gun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Five minutes later, we're running through the Poland Troll Zone, going around Bird Island. He had somebody, right? He had somebody yeah, yeah. on lockdown mm-hmm. doing the old safety check. Mm-hmm. I was like, hell yeah. And I did, as he was as he was leaving, I was like, great to fucking see you guys out here. Because mm-hmm. it is, man. Dude, you rarely see you. him out. You, and never, I don't think I've ever in my life seen a completely unmarked boat like that. Yeah. They're, and if they kind of try to get sneaky, they're always like that weird gray color. Uh-huh. And that one wasn't. That it was like wasn't. creamy color. Yeah. It's probably like his personal boat. Dude, dude. No, no, no? It's, it's the Refuge has that Maverick now. And it's oh, like, cool. he was maybe 20 feet, 30 feet from me. And I was like, who's that guy? Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. I had no idea until I stood up. I had I had a beer sitting on like right beside yeah. the casting platform where I was sitting. And he was just like, you know, so what are you guys doing? I explained it to him. And that's, he literally said, I can get down with that. <laughs> you trying Kept to get going. a beer? You trying to get a beer, dude? <laughs> you guys want chips? Yeah. You, you want a guy? I'll catch you up. Yeah. I'll catch you up. 25 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. And then, yeah, so the boat show of it all was pretty good. It was like it was kind of cool. See, I mean, there was that and seeing what was going that on. pink Glade skiff. No, Glade's Moon. Glade's, Glades Moon. Okay, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. so I work for a boat company. I don't know my boats. <laughs> yeah. That should be evident by now. Um, I get them all confused. Those two particularly. Brian um, had his ten weight there. Brian had the ten weight there. Wilds had his. Yep, he brought an outlaw. We had ours. We had ours. The coolest one, probably. They theirs were finished. Theirs looked. Theirs were. Ours was like buffed and shined better. Made magic. Ours was like '80s prom boat. Like you know, what was cool is um, Flounder Creek Creek Creek. The Flats Pirate thing. No, his dad's boat. That was an uh, that was an older action craft. craft. Yeah, Yeah. they had like the black hall. Or am I making this up? No, it wasn't no, a black hole. It's red and black stripes on like a white one. It looks really good from like where I saw it. I didn't it. see it. It's I like should a have paid late eighties boat, and it looks That's pretty cool though. Yeah, it makes you feel like you're in the late eighties. That's cool. Pretty clean, man. Uh, nice Justin's throwback. boat looked yeah. pretty nice. Mr. Sue. Oh yeah, yeah. First time I saw he's that. A, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's yeah. Right. First time I'd seen it. That was my first time meeting that guy, and he's one of the coolest dudes Dude, ever. Yeah. Justin's so cool. So we had. Uh, I know I saw a beaver tail. There's yep. uh, the oh, uh, Mandy, and I can't remember her boyfriend's name. They had the older uh, Waterman Whipray that they came up from. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pierce. Nice one. They were All the ones that up. brought uh, White's Tackle, made a contribution. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that was that that boat was pretty. Yeah, it looked good. What about they stuck? Super they stuck a bunch of fish. New classic. Did you guys see that out there? We yeah, did. I think yeah. I think I yeah. saw it. It was nice. It was really <laughs> fast, so I hardly saw it. Um. Yeah. So that was fun, just climbing around and seeing everybody's yeah gear, man. The uh, the Texas boat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I didn't yeah. see him at. I think I only saw him at stop three. I'm, I'm sure he probably finished the whole thing, but there's like. Oh, he was on the sandbar. Yeah, it's yeah. just like. Yeah, and by then, the time then I he, got was, there. he was on the dock at, uh, during, during the raffle. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. He actually uh, offered us 20 bucks for the uh, Yeti cooler before we pulled the ticket. <laughs> oh, that was really, really generous of him. So uh, we uh, probably looking at a uh, little break here for a second and. Uh, We'll come back, and we haven't even touched your all's show notes. So I'm sure we got mm-hmm. other stuff that we'll be able to cover. And Kevin, did you come with show notes? 
No, I was not prepared. Don't be slacking, Kevin. <laughs> oh, man. Unprepared. You came with growlers, though. That's right. Yeah. We'll be back in a few. So we are back. Everybody's got a full beer that's having one tonight, and uh, we're just going to get right back into it. So, uh, Kevin. Yes, sir. Tell us uh, from from the participants' perspective, what uh, what did you like or dislike, if anything, about the dinghy derby that we could have done differently or, in your opinion better if there's nothing then you know there's nothing but if there's anything we'd we'd love to hear it i mean as an attendee i thought it was just super well put together well managed all the stops made sense so are you a little bit surprised to hear all the shit show behind the oh yeah it it seemed really well orchestrated from my end yeah but no it was awesome like good turnout raised a lot of money good cause met a lot of cool guys cool yeah you know one of one of the things that ted and i were talking about um at the end of it all, ultimately we had, I believe, 55 participants in the poker run. And Ted and I said, you know, it'd be pretty easy, you know, if, if all you got into it is 25 bucks, if you're not having a good time to like halfway through it, be like, fuck this, I'm out. Yeah. We, yeah. We had 55 people check in at every location, you know, counting the people that got caught up that got there late. Yeah. Like everybody stuck with it. And to me, that was kind of the measure of everybody was having a good time. time, I think, honestly, from my perspective, how I would like to do it differently next year would be add a different stop somewhere along the way and make the sandbar the final stop. Yeah. I thought that, about that. I think the sandbar we could we could still pull off the the raffle on the sandbar and it's just a different vibe. It's like you know, you're standing in the water, there's a more of a breeze over there. Like when we got on the dock over there, I'll be honest with you, it, warm. it was like mm-hmm. fucking heat stroke mm-hmm. city. It and, was warm and, and then, I was starting wow, to worry that like, yeah, stuff to hear what was going yeah. on a little bit. So I think I think maybe that would be the difference, and uh, also it would be more conducive. Like we ended up, you know, a lot of people enjoyed some great guide beer, and you know the Sweetwater beer that we had. But you know we had some left over, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, we could have burned that down for a while. Yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> well, burn it down for a while, and then too, like, and all theory like everyone who went this year should be talking about how much fun they had last year, and hopefully it's like a lot bigger too. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and like we took up a good chunk of JB's dock. Yeah. And they were, and they it wouldn't prevent really well. people from going over to JB's to no, come not bike, at all. Come yeah. back and But I mean like if you got a hundred people that ran it, like yeah. you can still spread out on that sand barn and be able to do everything. So that that's my only like mm-hmm. looking back, I think, you know, it would have been a little bit different if we'd have just wrapped it up on the sandbar. Mm-hmm. So that might be the only change I would I would push forward. JB's they did a good job though of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean did. like an extra I don't know, sixty something, seventy something people show up Showing all, up of all a sudden. at once. Yeah. yeah. And it, I mean it, they didn't seem to skip a beat really. When we walked inside to the bar and got drinks and sodas and food and Yeah, especially and the yeah. fact that they'd had that crazy bike to bar bike thing, yeah, yeah. Kind of thing yeah. to start their day. So I think I think once they got uh, the new Smyrna bike to bar crowd out, they were like kind of like, okay. And then all of a sudden. Then boat to bar showed up. Okay, yeah. 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 Boat to bar showed up. And they were like, holy shit. They were, yeah, they were definitely having a decent, I mean, live music. They had a decent day going without us. They had the DJ on the boat underneath the boat dock. Oh, the guy in the Grady White. What a fuck dog. (laughs) His wife was so pissed. She she (laughs) entered her her back the whole time, just angry bitch face the whole time. (laughs) I didn't even see it. Oh, she was pissed. Did us? No, 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 no. no, no, Her husband or boyfriend. No, there was was uh, the classic uh, Florida man douchebag. Okay, okay. That was parked. Under the two covered yeah. spots, he was in one of the cut, and he has a really awesome stereo. I oh, just left it so, ripping. So he thought everybody wanted to hear Guns and Roses, not the fucking band that oh, was playing. Oh, I gotcha, I gotcha. And finally, one one of the people that were in our group like walked over and said, "Hey, turn that shit off. There's a band here. People are here for the band, not your bullshit." Well, he was sitting there. He'd wait for someone to walk by and just crank it and watch their reaction. He was doing it over and over. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> See, I missed all that. Yeah. There's always one. It's always one in a crowd. Yeah. yeah. Thankfully, it wasn't part of our group. Right? Yeah, that that's helpful. It took a little heat off of us. It was cool stereo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, anybody else got any uh, show notes? Anything to talk I think, about? I think we hit mine with Jake from State Farm. Mm-hmm. That was kind of my big one. Mm-hmm. Mine are all. Um, all I've done really between Dingy Derby and that is work. Yeah. It's been a little um, bit of a whirlwind. It's been, I mean, it's been kind of crazy. And there's like, well, not, not that I want to talk about work, but there's like boats we're trying to get done before I cast for people to pick up. And it's mm-hmm. just like a kind of more like back-to-back chaos. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I, I had the opportunity, thankfully, to uh, get Doggy Daddy out. And oh, I, know yeah. I, I, I talked about it with him on, yeah. the, uh, on, the, beer on the Beer With yeah. episode that we did. But uh, I'm so excited that. Dude, that happened. That and we can do more now. Mike, absolutely, King. is just the best fucking human being yeah. ever, man. Having him here at the house for a couple of days, he's just so genuine and so nice. I mean, stacked up all over my house right mm-hmm. now, cases of beer from from Wisconsin. The freezer is full of some amazing freaking meats, and there's cheese in the. I mean, just like. He comes bearing gifts. Yeah, there's nothing with no expectation that you're going to give him back stuff, right? Yeah. And which makes you want to give. It him was back really stuff. funny when <laughs> when we pulled up to the sandbar, you know, and we actually got a chance. To off, everybody's off the boats and you know talking or whatever. He just turned around and where's Mike at? He's just like over with some people that like, yeah, I never like met before. No one he's, he's probably interacting with ever. Yeah, they're having a laugh. <laughs> and then 15 minutes later, you turn around. 
he was like bobbing around with a bunch of people swimming over here. Uh-huh. I'm like, all right, cool. And then, I mean, turn around again. Another set of people I've never even met before. He's just over there. He's right? never met a stranger. No. Um, yeah. He's never yeah. met a stranger. And he, like, I picked him up. He's actually, so he was the first person to ride the Lagoon 16. Mm-hmm. The uh, When I picked it up from Larry's dock, I, I shuttled him out to the pontoon boat. And, like, it all happened so fast. It was literally like, doggy daddy, what's mm-hmm. up? Hop on, let's go. Shuttled him out there, and it. I didn't think about it. It wasn't until the sandbar. He's like, "Come on, man, I'm a hugger." And we actually like hugged, <laughs> yeah. like kind of really met. Okay, yeah. so so that's a perfect segue. You know, I won't go over all the the details of him catching the fish. If you want to hear that, listen to the beer with which episode. I highly recommend. If you haven't listened to and it, and the the part that I probably left out of that, and this was so awesome. So he's caught his fish. We've released his fish. I pop the Yeti open. We get the guide beer out. We have our celebratory beer. And right after we released the fish, you know, we had like the, the fist bump. Yeah. And it was like, you know. But when I pulled the beer out and I handed him a beer, I opened mine. I closed the Yeti. He reached across that Yeti and he gave <laughs> me this big old fucking hug. And I'll be on. I think it's probably the first time I've gotten like a hug from a first redfish caught. Yeah. yeah. And it was freaking awesome. It doesn't, it, it's it, not forced. It's just yeah. like, yeah, it was just like, it really warmed my soul to know that we had shared that first fish moment yeah. for him. And it was genuine that he really That's appreciated awesome. So, dude, the guy just gives and gives and gives. Well, yeah. And when Jameson dropped his Ginu back off to put the new rub rails on, he had, it was the day after the a beer with reviewed. He goes, okay. He's like, I've seen you guys post about Doggy Daddy. I was like, why is this dude from Wisconsin like so hyped? Like, what's so? Sp-? He's like, not to be rude, but like, what's so special about him? He goes, I met him at the Derby, got to talk. He goes, and then hearing his story, he's like. Dude, that guy's special, and that's really badass. Yeah. He's like, I get it. I'm a fan of Doggy Daddy. Yeah. Just gives to people, gives to the community, gives to veterans. Like he was, like yeah, you said, he wasn't work, a veteran. Like he didn't work. serve. Yeah, right. And actual... he just genuinely loves these mm-hmm. guys and cares about them. Well, he he confided in me that like he's really crossed over to the dark side of musky fishing. Like that's his new jam. Yeah, he's like yeah. Really super fucking on that train and that's what he when he goes out that's what he's doing so before he left i had a 10 weight that i don't use very often nice so i i got it out and it's got a nice rod tube i stickered the shit out of the rod tube and said go for it take this i want to be part of one of those that's cool so that's way cool i'm hoping that uh sometime very soon i hope he's out there you know he gets that 10,000 casts and uh, gets me that big fucking fat yeah. musky photo. That would be super every 10, cool. 10, Once every 10,000. Yeah. <laughs> it's like with me and any kind of trout. Mm-hmm. We uh, talked at great length about the fishing opportunities that he has up there. And the Driftless area is probably about a three-hour drive from where he lives. So I'm looking at probably late September, early October-ish probably going up there and uh, nice. hanging out with Mike and doing a little bit of fishing. And there also happens to be a pretty awesome skate scene in Milwaukee. And mm-hmm. there's several big skate parks up there that Wyatt was instantly like, 
I'd like to go to this park, this park, and this <laughs> park. Mm-hmm. So we're probably going to do a family trip up, awesome. to, up to Wisco and mm-hmm. uh, drink Wisconsinably. There you mm-hmm. go. Um, whoever sent in that, I think it was last episode, we were, like as a group recorded, that bobber, I wound up taking it home, and I was going to like use it for something on my boat. And it wound up being what holds the keys to the pontoon boat. And I, I may or may not have, when we had the boat in the shop, I misplaced the key. And wound up, I put the ignition to the pontoon boat in my backpack for safekeeping because we kept it in case we needed to run it. Yeah. And then the next day when they had to take it out there, I didn't have time. I got, like, super pissed and just went to the store, bought an ignition, and rewired it real quick. And they <laughs> took it. And literally six hours later, I found the key. But he was like, and I don't even have a float anymore. I was like, hey, I, I got you. And I, I said, do you want this podcast endorsed drink with or fish was constantly Bob? He's like, yeah, I want it. And like my dad thought it was the coolest thing ever. So whatever listener sent that in, I forget your name. I apologize. But like that's now on the party barge running around. Speaking of barges. <laughs> <laughs> Ben, I think I mail see. Barge, I think baby. I see the mail barge mm-hmm. coming. Before the dinghy derby, um, Jack Scott sent yes a pretty awesome package down. Um, I know I've I've sent Jack a couple of photos of the uh, mess that arrived. <laughs> <laughs> um, if if you decide to send beer. Uh, we love that. We love getting beer in the mail. Bubble wrap. But try to wrap it in a little something soft because, uh, number one, you're probably wink, wink, nod, nod, telling the people at the post office that you're not sending liquids. And <laughs> this isn't the first time. Um, most everybody's learned that glass bottles aren't great to send to the Taylor Park, but cans do make it pretty well as long as you bubble wrap it a little bit. Jack didn't bubble wrap his, so um, the delivery was a rather wet box that uh, some postal employee had put into a plastic bag bag and tied shut. (laughs) It arrived while I was out of town in Pennsylvania, (laughs) and it sat... On a Tuesday, mind you. (laughs) A week before he got back. (laughs) Literally. When I opened it, it was pretty ripe. Uh, we lost three soldiers uh, in that battle, dun, but but dun, he had sent dun. an eighteen pack, so uh, oh, we still had a good. Not terrible, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, some Devil's Backbone Striped Bass Ale, uh, of which is all but one can is gone. I think I, I saw one can I in didn't the fridge. Terrible is what you're saying. No, uh, it was awful. <laughs> Doggy Daddy actually probably drank the most of that because um, when he when he rolled into town, I was like, hey, you ready for a beer? And he's like, yeah. I was like, let me have you try one of these. And he's like, wow, this is good. And Doggy Daddy, as one might think would be the case, has the ability to put down a few beverages well most of the emojis he sends me on our instagram conversations have the beer mug in it right cheers so in addition to actually let me step away back over here i believe i have the note that jack sent um I had pinned it to the bulletin board to dry out from Not being <laughs> in the beer for a week. Is, so is the note fermented? It, oh, absolutely. Age to perfection. Very cool. Oh, I, I kind of wondered what that was, <laughs> to be honest with you. 
So the um, Larry's Larry's getting the note. We're back. We got All right. Sorry about that. A little yes. ill prepared. Um, but that's what happens when the beer breaks and uh, you have to act like you're Amish and put it on the clothesline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So the note I'll pass around. Everybody can read it at their leisure. Uh, Jack sent us some awesome stickers. Um, What's really awesome is their snakehead stickers. Oh, cool. Because that's like his jam right now. He's yeah. really into going after snakehead. So, Kevin, oh, by virtue of being the guest of honor, you're going to get to go home with an awesome sticker. Oh, that is rad. That is cool. Ben? Yeah. Thank you. Ooh, I like it. I got one, and we're going to put like one it. aside for Mark when he gets back. And then I'm not sure what this sticker is, but I'm sure if I could read the writing on this Ziploc bag that has been destroyed by beer, I would know. But that looks like something there. He also sent a fly box with some of his favorite patterns for bass, snook, tarpon, and whatever. Biodiversity. <laughs> so. Cool. Yeah. Biodiversity. I'm always terrible about opening fly boxes. It's like a. Oh, that's like a weird, crazy latch. So I'm going to take the first stab at it. And since I am planning to go back over to Bonita Springs. Sports capital of the world. This looks somewhat like a schminnow. Ooh, this little, you think that little shrimpy would do okay with the beach? Nook? Yeah. All right, I'm going to go with that. Carl, you get next. A flash on that thing. Yeah. Mm. I like that note. Kevin, you can read it too. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I want that one that looks like a freaking (laughs) Christmas tree. I love the first sentence of this. Yeah. Go ahead, read it. When I first turned into some Cops After Dark podcast show. (laughs) (laughs) So he's been a long time listener. Oh, yeah, since FAD days. Freaking fad. Oh, uh, man, there's a lot going on here, guys. There is. Look at that little bugger. Let me see that. That's that's got like some kind of crazy. I think it's two, two, two but maybe, maybe not. No, I don't think so. Oh, it is. Okay. Oh, I know what this is. This is... That's a taco fly. It's corn for carp. Oh, oh shoot. So it, it, if you have any grassies anywhere, that might work I don't for have grassies. any grassies. This is like a pretty wicked little... <laughs> I'm taking the corn. Okay. Oh, this is like a... It's like a like a popper. Yeah, but it's got like that crazy tail on it. I like that. That's pretty rad. It's got a rattle in it too. No. I don't know. Pretty good though. All right. So um previously we got a shipment of janky flies. The old Taylor Poppers. Oh yeah. And I know I've fished my Taylor Popper. I've Fished it, but not caught anything on it yet. I've, I've only fished one time since it's come in. Well, based on the review I gave it about it being a little bit on the large side. Yeah. He tied a bunch of smaller ones. Oh, shoot. Now, we had hoped during the dinghy derby to uh, give out some of these, like, with some contests and stuff. 
but we never got to that contest thing. We were going to do like some casting contests and whatnot on the sandbar, but I think everybody got a little bit too focused on having a good time and drinking beer, so we didn't do that. But um, he sent a whole nother batch. Stephen did. Comes crashing is his Insta handle. Mm -hmm. So we've got some of the original large size ones and some smaller ones. So, uh, Carl, if you want to grab one or yeah. two of what you... And I can put my or my original on display. There you go. As it has been and, so far. And then what doesn't get taken from around the table, my plan oh, is from time to time until we run out of them... Oh, my goodness. There's I'm, a lot in here. Yeah, so grab yourself a big one, a small one, and what's left, I am going to slowly meter out... At the library location at the meth lab. Yeah. Oh, good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Because so, it's, it's the one by the... You can meter one out first. By the park. Yeah. I, I'm going to actually, on my day off this week, I'm actually going to go hang my library up. I'm pretty that, excited about that. That one's bigger than the original. Steven, this one is bigger. Yeah, this yeah, one's yeah. not. Steven yeah. actually also included uh, a piece of custom artwork that uh, one of you all might be inclined to, to take and frame and, and, and put in a, a prominent place. If you don't, I certainly will. It's almost like it's a combination watercolor and maybe uh, it's it might be multimedia. Uh, it, it might be like a little crayon and in, in ink. A little crown. Ooh, I like it. But you're going to like it, Carl. Oh, oh, snap. Yeah, that's a good one. The old speed bump. It's a good one. Oh, that's another nice. thing. Doggy Daddy and I got to uh, experience a large number of manatees. Um, so he, he got to get the full lagoon he got experience. We didn't hit any. We, we were pulling at the time. But he got to see them and yeah. do their thing. So uh, Brad Bouchon, Bouchillion, I'm sure I'm murdering your last Brad name. Brad Bourgeois. From Statesboro, Georgia. He heard about Matt. That did the Taylor Popper, those mm -hmm. janky yeah. flies. And then he heard us all talking about, we'll fish your janky flies. Yeah. <coughs> well, guess what? More jank. He sent it's in the us stank. some janky flies. I like it. And they're of the same theme of Matthew's Very janky cool. flies. Oh, man. So, um, secret library project this is Skiff Outfitters, by the way. This is awesome. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to read it, and I'm not going to make you guys suffer through me trying to read and not be able to see, but handwritten two-page note. So very, we'll be able to very layering. I very feel touched. like there was a rough draft, and then he went back and made this like nice one. And here, oh, that's pretty some cool. Spun Whoa. deer hair. Whoa. Taylor Popper, pretty fancy, mm. pretty freaking awesome. So I'm gonna pull one of those out that I'm gonna fish the first chance I get. Carl, nice coming to you. And uh, that's These the mail barge yeah. for this episode, man. Everybody, thank you for all your generosity, for the stickers, the beer, the flies. You guys are awesome. Thanks, mail barge, Barry. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want him to think we don't appreciate him driving all the way out from the ramp. Right, with his bar. To deliver. Yeah, I mean, like. All right, my last. It's a lot of work. My last uh, dingy, dingy derby comment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We should all have strive for the combination skiff pontoon boat. 
Because that pontoon boat with all those big coolers and all that stuff and all the people on there. Yeah. We should have more. We should have a pontoon rally. Yes. In conjunction and have them, have them pass a few times during the day. Right. To have all our stuff, our huge coolers, all our junk. Or, you know, maybe maybe that's what we need to do is next year leading up to the Dingy Derby is look for a pontoon sponsor. Right. You know. Tuner. Yeah, and, um, and and they're going to be the floating uh, event headquarter, mm-hmm. and which would uh, be pretty dope. Yeah, the uh, Brad Smith, we're talking to you. You've got that boat rental club thing. Oh, so, yeah. so the one thing that, like, once the reality set in with the dinghy derby and the numbers of people that that you know registered and we were expecting, I was like, holy shit! Just if if it's one minute per f- person. It's going to be like an hour checking people in, you know, at each stop. But, uh, you know, it actually got way more efficient. Um, The first stop, I started worrying that, you know, in the channel, we've got a little bit of tide running. If I anchored up, like, you know, people trying to pull up, you know, are we going to be like bumping into each other? I didn't want to see broken push poles or anything like that. So we pulled over and just kind of got really shallow up on the bank. And that worked okay, but then what really worked well was stop two, where I anchored, and everybody just kind of drove up alongside yeah, the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was like the drive-through. Yeah. And I think we're going to try to make sure that all the spots moving forward are always like the drive-through. Yeah. And that way everybody can kind of raft up, and then when we say, okay, let's go ahead and do yeah. it, people just start peeling off and coming through. Yeah, I think that worked out really well. Um what was our final tally for uh, Marine Discovery Centers? We have raised five thousand dollars even, and uh, John out in Louisiana. Last name starts with a Z. I'd murdered if I tried to say it. Um, he saw a story where we were at like. Five dollars. Oh, I remember and that. 50 yeah, yeah, cent yeah, short yeah. of five grand, and he messaged and said, "Can I make it an even five grand?" And I said, "God bless you." <laughs> yeah, 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 he yeah Venmo, that's awesome. He Venmoed it to get it even at five grand. So, are we going to make like a big, uh, like a golf tournament check? We are go down there. We are, and uh, I've already talked to the executive director, uh, Chad, up at uh, Marine Discovery Center. He is leaving on vacation uh, for Independence Day, and uh, when he returns, I'll get in touch with you and Mark and Ben, and we'll get a mutually agreeable time for us all to go up there. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And we're going to give them the actual money Mm -hmm. and present them with our big cheesy check and get a photo, Mm -hmm. because here's the thing about the Dingy Derby. It was a first time event and because it was a first time event you know when it comes to asking for raffle sponsorships and stuff like that we didn't really do anything other than mention it on the show mention it on our stories and let people make their decision and come to us now that we kind of know that wow we can actually make a a pretty decent contribution Mm -hmm. uh, and we have a track record now I think that we'll probably be a little bit more start a little bit more in advance mm-hmm. and, and and gather those kind of things. And I think next year 
I mean, I, I don't want to get crazy and say I hope we can double it, but oh, I do. I want to get crazy. I, the crazy part is it's more than double what we thought we could do in the first place. Oh, wait, oh, so way like more, yeah. crazy. We were like, oh man, it'd be cool if twenty people showed up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> literally, literally, that's like <laughs> that's seriously job. it. Yeah. We were like. As long you as know. we get to 20, man, we're good. <laughs> was, that was our expectation. The, uh, yeah, so just pretty much blew ourselves out. Yeah. So, so anyway, we, we've got a track record repeat. now. So I think yeah. that, I think that next year, uh, could be pretty fun. And, uh, I'd like to see all the OG inaugural derby people back. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm sure they do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean no reason not to. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It'd be like. You just maybe live too far away or something, but we had some travelers, man. It was crazy. I think I think the thing part. we have we, to kind of figure South out from South Carolina, from South yeah. Florida, like I, I think um, probably the uh, furthest away was probably Pasolet, um Outfitters. Yeah, mm. North uh, Carolina. Yeah, he was he was super fun to talk to because he and I we kind of banter back, not banter, but like we chat back and forth on Instagram all the time, just various little stories and stuff. So to like put a face to a name was pretty cool. His accent was, I liked it. Like, I'm a big accent guy. Yeah, Car- like Carolinas. I mean, just out there, Carolinas. Uh huh. He's never even seen anything that's not the Carolinas. It was, <laughs> it was funny because there was like he and a couple of people like, they saw me pull up on the pontoon, but like you didn't make it. <laughs> yeah. They're like, we've been watching your Instagram for two weeks. I said, oh, she made it. It's coming. <laughs> yeah. And like, where is us? It's hidden. <laughs> and like I think some people are like, okay, this guy still didn't make it. <laughs> and then like to be able to pull up with a sandbar and then be like, holy cow, you actually make it up. Like, look, this is not anywhere near complete. Yeah. Like we bonded the deck Thank- on it. Thankfully, at night. Thankfully you made it because you like really like did a lot of the behind the scenes shuttling of ice and grabbing people. Well, yeah. yeah. And know? like literally I could told I told somebody I was like, I was part of the derby. But up till stop three, like as far as the socializing, it didn't feel like it because like we we ran into like boat stuff, so we were like putting people. I was like, you can hop on the pontoon boat with my brother and his girlfriend. Like I didn't tell them. I was just like, hey, this person's getting your boat. And then there's like a doggy dad's doing you too. You're gonna have a great time. And then they're like, all right, cool, whatever. And so they like help shuttle people. And then we loaded the beer right after stop one to two. And Shan's like, we gotta get more ice because we're like, how are we gonna cool this? And I was like. I guess I'll run back from two back to your house. And I was like, as I was making the run to two, I was like, this is a little bit farther than I thought mm-hmm. it was going to be. Like, this is going to be kind of hard to get there back. And like, I might not make it to three in time with ice. Well, the thing is, I mean, you don't just go test something like a lake, like have like a nice, easy day. Yeah. No. You just barely finished it to where it's... No, no hydrangea-filled channel. No. Just freaking... Yeah. You, you and then, 50% like, finish we it hit the log it super hard well, all day. So that's the thing, too. Like, <laughs> two coolers full of ice because my cooler wasn't big enough to fit all the bags Shannon brought. So I took Larry's metal one. Battle tested. Battle tested. And I said, <laughs> like, Tim was like, do you want me to slow down? Through? I mean, it was pretty decent chop. But yeah. I said, no, I want to try to break the <laughs> yeah, boat. Yeah. Like, because if I break it, I can fix it. Yeah. Guys, that boat didn't break. No. That thing freaking took it, and it ran like a champ. Mm-hmm. I was super pleased. It ran really good till the one time I flooded it. Um, oh yeah, Motor, got, the motors. Yeah, and like I just whatever. It it fixed itself pretty pretty quickly. 
What did you, you towed it? One, like when it I, don't, I don't want to talk whatever. about that. Um, no. Yeah. So when you guys left four to five, my brother's like, where the heck are they? And Jameson and I are like dorking with it. And I didn't know, like, I, to be fair, actually, there's a lot of things I did know that were not coming to mind, like trim the motor up and it'll like run out the bowl, yeah, yeah. give it a minute and you're good. We're sitting there wailing on it, wailing on it and pushing the electric start. I'm like, damn it. Like <laughs> this was running till I said hi to Brian Wilds as they were motoring mm-hmm. up. And so we get back. Matt's like, you need a hand. And like, they've got photos and videos <laughs> towing the, the prototype boat. Did you guys see Wilds and Bree like, Slipped off to Panama again, dude. I, I literally, I was like, like the next morning, I said, "Did you guys pull a Panama?" <laughs> and she's like, "We sure did. We didn't expect to come back, go back that fast." And at first, I was like, "Sloth." Yeah, yeah. we're in the lagoon. Did she find a sloth? And then I, like, I saw the thing. I was like, "Oh." What? So was it? I didn't even realize. Is that like the day after? Yeah, like or the Sunday one after that? It was either Sunday or Monday. Yeah. So, so Wilds had called me and was like. Hey, we're on our way down. We're not going to be able to do the actual event, but we'll, we'll, we should be there in time to make the sandbar. We'll be at JB's. I'm like, all right, that's cool. You know, just make sure you come down. And uh, he's like, hey, um, can I keep my boat at your place um, during the week? And I'm thinking maybe, you know, he just doesn't want to drag it back and forth to Deland and they're going to be staying, yeah. you know, over there. And I'm like, sure, yeah, no problem. And, uh, you know, the thing about doing an event, you don't get to spend much time with one individual right. person. So I ended up, I didn't really get to see him other than, hey, man, what's up? You know, just like a passing blow going through on the dock or something. So, like, that evening, I'm like, okay, like, I'm expecting Wilds is going to show up. You know, I'm going to stash the skiff somewhere. And they just never came. But he had said, you know, I might be able to put it somewhere else. So I'm thinking, okay, no problem. And in my mind, I thought they were going to be here for the week. Right. And they were going to be fishing on the lagoon. And then, bam, just like you said, holy shit, there's a fucking sloth. I know yeah, where that is. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I was like, those little sneaky bastards. It's, it, they live a cool life. Mm-hmm. I want to grow up and be like them. <laughs> so so when, when they're in Panama living that life, um, I was down... Uh, immediately after Monday, um, I had to go and do a job down towards your neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. Got finished with that, and I had to be in Bonita Springs the next morning. So when I wrapped up the job down Melbourne Way, I just drove on down to Bonita Melbourne. Springs and stayed the night in a hotel. So as I'm rolling into town, I, I brought an A-weight with me. I was like, you know, this will be my chance. I've never really done the beach snook thing. So I went down, little public park with parking. They clip you for two bucks an hour to park at the beach. No big deal. And I walked down the beach, and lo and behold, tie into my first beach snook. Didn't land it. Ended up losing it because I was throwing fucking redfish leader, and it didn't up the size, and those old sandy lips got me. But uh I'm going to be going back to Bonita Springs soon. So like now I'm stoked. Mm-hmm. Like I, yeah. you know, I'm looking forward to going and doing it's that It's kind job. of conditional where like the sun's in the right spot and the water's right and the, you know, tides and all that where you can just see them. Yeah. Oh, well, I was there really, late really afternoon. Yeah. So the sea breeze had everything chopped up yeah. and there was shore pound, but I saw like a little like school of bait fish, like struggling mm-hmm. their way through. Yeah. I put my fly right in there. And 
bam, mm-hmm. there they were. You know, they must have been following those fish. I don't mm-hmm. know. But, uh, you know, just I'd say it worked out get, well, though. Get lucky. Yeah, it's right? awesome. Right? I've seen some of that popping up. A few people, you know, it's, walking the beaches. and, and Well, and it's kind of cool because it's so different from what we normally do. Oh, yeah. 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 Normally on this little floating island we call a skiff mm-hmm. and going for it. And there's different line management techniques and different. I didn't realize it. The hotel I stayed in was like literally half a block from 239 Flies. Oh, oh yeah. cool. That, right. that, I know that area. Beach. Yeah. 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 So I, I realized that after the fact, and I was like, well, I probably wouldn't have gone to the fly shop. I would have still gone and fished. And, you know, but yeah. the, my next yeah. trip, I'll be going in a, a week or two. I'm going to definitely check out. Have you been to that one? No, no. It looks rad. Yeah, it does. Yeah. 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 It's a sick shop. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to try to stop in tomorrow when I'm there. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking forward to being able to stop in and check it out. There's no doubt about that. Um, and I, I, I looked at, like, I guess just a little bit north of Bonita Springs on the inshore side. Okay. There's, like, a boat ramp, and I really am thinking about taking my skiff down there because the inside looks pretty fucking tasty. It, I, yeah, it does. Well, like the Estero area? Yeah, but it's, it's actually south of Estero Bay where the boat ramp is. Okay. But anyway, it's yeah. it just looks like you know, hey, that looks, looks like fishy. It looks fishy. My looks fishy. my best friend's originally from Naples. He lives in Colorado, and he's been want like he's coming down in August and dying to do some fishing. So like I'm starting to scout up there too. Well, you know, I got a friend that that or down there that works part of the year in Fort Myers, and while he's working in Fort Myers, he lives you know in Naples, and we always launch. Naples, south of Naples, yeah. and fish into like pretty much the park. Yeah, like, 10, like well, yeah, like yeah. Marco Island, yeah. like that area, and it's a different game down there for sure. Yeah, uh, a lot more water moves, a lot more tide, whatever. And we've been driving past that area in Bonita Beach, going back and forth, and I'm thinking. Man, we I need to go down there and scout there because yeah. that might be a little we'd might be, be different. We'd be able to spend more time on the water right. and less time driving. Yeah. You know, yeah. so less day tripping it. Yeah, yeah. so gonna pay it off. Yeah, that'll be cool. So you're from that neck of the woods, huh? Yeah, born and raised in Fort Myers. Okay, yeah. Now the family's all down in Benito, but still Southwest Florida, right? Yeah, I liked just the. I mean, I was literally there. I got there, you know, late afternoon. Got done with my project the following day and gone. So I was there maybe 15 hours in town. But the vibe, just like driving down and being near the beach and going on the beach, really laid back, fucking chill area. Yeah, it's I cool. I kind of liked it. First time ever, show up to a job site, always go to the construction trailer, you know, the office on, yeah. on, on the job site, commercial construction job. Open the door to walk in. They have a dog in the construction truck. Nice. <laughs> the shop dog. Yeah. And I was like, no way. This yeah. is awesome. And uh, Cooper. Cooper's uh, uh, the same what uh, golden golden retriever like nice. uh, Ann and, and Skipper Skin. are. And I was like... Who, who's whose dog is this? And it was the guy that I actually ended up needing to work with all day. And uh, I was like, dude, this is so rad. Like every job site should have like the office dog. I said, just take a break, go on well, there, well, yeah, dog well, for a little yeah. while. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I, so, so I said to him, I said, 
you know, this is the first time I've encountered this on a job site. I said, tell me something. I know what the answer is. I don't care how pissed off one of the subcontractors is. They come fucking busting in this fucking door to like raise hell about something. And Cooper comes fucking goofy ass running up to him. (laughs) It's over. Mm -hmm. Like this has got to be the most mellow job site on the fucking planet. He's like, like a charm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cooper fucking deescalates everything. (laughs) Awesome. So good job, Cooper. Yeah. Fucking rad. Give him more treats. Mm-hmm. All right, so, uh, anybody got any plans for the Independence Day you know, weekend? I was thinking about that. I don't. Pretty sure it's not going to fit. I'm not going to fish. No, I think it'll be I'll, real busy. I don't know what I'm doing, well, but this is the first one I've been in America in a decade. Really? Oh, wow. You're usually, over I'm in- usually over in South Asia, and I've like thought about it for like a month. Like, I want to do it right and. And just then, actually do like and fireworks. then it snuck up on me. Yeah. yeah, and I haven't bought fireworks. I haven't bought an old Navy American flag shirt. <laughs> so like, I don't know what I'm doing yet. I saw a dude like a week. I'm kind and a half of ago. really, really pumped to be here for it. I got to hit yeah. it hard the first half of the week, but like, uh, I'm definitely planning on just a lot of chilling and being over here for for the fourth and the weekend following. We'll probably just do like a classic. Just like a fireworks barbecue, American flag T-shirt, like you said. Uh, you know what I mean. I got I got to Google stuff. an old navy in Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. You know something that that after the dinghy derby that Ted and Wyatt and Shannon and Doggy Daddy and I went up to the clubhouse and just lounged in the pool. I saw that, dude. <laughs> I haven't like been to the pool here in like a couple of years. Yeah, and I actually I, I I told Shannon and Wyatt I was like that has reignited my like the end of the day go bob around in the pool. So I, I'm gonna go ahead and make a formal um, motion. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping for a second. We need to move happy hour on podcast days f- from the boat ramp. To the pool. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's kind of cool because the boat ramp's gotten a little peopley lately. Yeah, and I and I like people, but screw them. I want to. I want to like, and I like people, but nah. Exactly. You know? I'm an introvert. <laughs> yeah. I like my people. Um, I'd be down for that. Yeah, I think uh, it would be a good time it's to a good place to hide from mosquitoes too. Yeah, just get your just your face. Yep. Out. <laughs> so. Uh, I guess uh, we're all going to be going ahead and looking at uh, getting that going for the 4th of July holiday. And everybody be safe out there. And we'll catch you the next time on Taylor Trash Fly Fishing. That was episode 29. See ya. Traveling in a fried up combi On a hippie trailhead full of zombie I met a strange lady she made me nervous She took me in and gave me breakfast She said Do you come from a land down under Where women blow and men thunder Can't you hear, can't you hear the thunder You better run, you better take cover
man in Brussels. He was six foot four, full of muscles. I said, do you speak in my language? He just smiled and gave me a Vegemite sandwich. And he said, I come from a land down under. Be does flow and mention Can't you hear, can't you hear the thunder? Yeah. 